roll tape. Hello, on tonight's episode, Garrett gets married, Hari has a breakdown, Sneaky Cheese opens up a cheeky bottle of red, Rubes misses out on a ride on a helicopter, and I crack open a beer. Welcome to the Bacon Burgers. Welcome back. That's all I got on me. I'm just going to flick that. <laughs> we are the Bacon Burgers. Don't have a quit your day job. We are. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm oh. going to go. If I had a producer, I'd punch him right now, and I'd quit and go and join Amazon. But I don't know. That's, that's some pretty good mouth synth there. I, <laughs> I could uh, find a use for that. <laughs> I reckon. I'm, I'm taken back. Yeah. I, I charge for those skills. Thank you very much. All right. Just- Guys, we are the fucking out. It's a travesty already. We are the Bacon Burgers. Uh, welcome back. Um, it's, it's, I mean, look, I'm going to hit the. I'm going to hit the, uh, the 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 highlights right out of the gate. Garrett got married. Congratulations, old boy. Thank you very much. Yeah, beautiful day um, up in the uh, Dandenongs there. Gorgeous. Yeah, it was. Had it was. A, I'll tell you what. Twenty-one guns to loose. Yeah. Uh, you know, M1 Garands and a, and a couple of 25-pounders just sending out their uh, celebrations for us. It was it great. Was, it, was, um, it was touch and go with the weather for a while. It was. Um, I nearly got carried off by mosquitoes that were actually the size of Jack Russell Terriers. Um, but, no, it was good. We, we got down there early. We helped you set up and then um, yeah, yeah. I was... I was There was a quite a long path to get down to where you were getting married and then like I was stood on this like corner of the path and then um, Rob and Anthony were up on like the gate helping people get through and stuff. And, you know, I mean, Garrett only made a run for it like twice and the boys just <laughs> carried him back both times, but it was all right. It was good. Well, we the, got there in the, the end. The problem was I had Rubes there and he had his M4 hanging out the helicopter. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like something out of GTA. A few warning shots and yeah, that was it. I'll go back. I'll go back. I'll go back. Um, all right, so let's hit the fire, hit the ground running. I am, of course, uh, Chubby Cheese, aka Tristan. Uh, join with, join me. I always do that. Uh, sneaky Ginger Commodore Cheese and Wild Blue Cheese. Let's get right into the meat and bones of it. Rubes, what's your hobby been like? Um, first of all, I'd like to um, just respond to a few messages that I've received. Um, for those that have messaged me, say, learning, learn to use a mic, fuck you, that's who. Um, there are some issues uh, with the software that we use to record. For some reason, my voice likes to be nice and quiet. Um, yep. My mic works perfectly, perfectly fine. Fuck you all. Um, I, to, to, to be fair, to be fair, if any like anyone listening to this, we can actually hear Rubes loud and clear. He sounds amazing to us. It's just somewhere in the mix. Um, it all goes to hell in a handbasket. But we're trying to work that out. We'll see what yeah. happens. Um, somewhere between voice meter and audacity doesn't like talking. So if yeah. anyone's got some expertise, yeah. um, do hit me up and uh, help me work this out because it's still my yeah. Plan. Uh, yeah, I don't even know why you're saying this, Rubes. No one's going to hear this anyway. You might shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are they just why are they being silent for so long? What's going on? It's just weird. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit this post recording and I'm going to mute all you guys, and everyone's just going to hear my voice. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but a boring fucking show. Yeah, but then it'll be like some sort of weird ASMR podcast, you know, by Rubes, where it's just like it's just really quiet and really whispery, and it'll be just weird. <laughs> See, oh, I, I reckon we should that. become an ASMR podcast from now on. Oh, we wouldn't get any money. Come on. You know full oh. well we're a fucking travesty, Sneaky. You know this. Sneaky, maybe Relax. if you go YouTube, you can uh, flash your toes or something. I hear there's yeah. one. Oh, oh, oh. Some bathwater. 
Uh, Sneaky's, Sneaky's got feet like a hobbit. There's no way. There's absolutely <laughs> like some his feet are like something out of J.R. Tolkien's nightmares. They're yeah, just it's like, like a, oh. a cross between a hobbit and a cassowary. You know, oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fucking dark crystal shit. Go, Sneaky's the Chamberlain. Sexy motherfucker. Sexy Anna. No, it do. <laughs> all right so um rubes before we get into your hobby i want to you missed out on a ride in a helicopter and i think that's fucking hilarious yeah um, yeah missed out on a, a ride so i'll give you the list as context most of uh victoria for in between the last the, the time we recorded last uh most of victoria has ended up underwater um and a lot of that water ended up up and around rubes's place and it was uh pretty hard work now, I rang Rubes and said, what are you up to? And he said, I'm actually just hanging out with my partner's family in Warrigal. I said, oh, you got some time off. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rubes did not sound happy. And, you know, Rubes normally sounds pretty happy when he's got time off. Rubes, why weren't you happy when you had time off? Because it rained lots and lots and lots, and I ended up having to go to work on my <laughs> annual leave. Um, having said that, I was happy to do that and help out where I could. Of course, um, of course. But yes, I missed out on uh, a helicopter deployment to um, some of the areas. Because uh, I know full well that Rubes would have jumped on that helicopter, and it were like in his head, he would have been flying into Fallujah or something like that. He would have just... It would... It's like fortunate sun intensifies. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the scene from Predator, you know. Long tall, Sally. Oh. <laughs> Chuck Berry yeah. gone. Or... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah just... Just, uh, just getting some meat for dinner, like getting a room yeah. like as we fly along that's right outside yep. the Moog yep. Black Hawk yeah Black Hawk down style the Moog Charlie don't surf right. <laughs> the, the, the Moog is no way to refer to Wedderburn Rubes you should know that <laughs> okay Zeris that's hilarious I'm, I'm, I'm upset you got to miss out on that though because I know you would have loved that but um, how what, how's your hobby been mate um, printing 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 uh, yeah, you're going nuts. Printed a heap of terrain yeah. for... It'll go towards CanCon tables. Yeah, don't uh, say that word. That's a trigger word for me right now. <laughs> I, um, I just get, okay, I'm going to jump in here quickly. Tristan, you started this. You put us both on this path, so don't be going on about true. trigger words, mate. It's not true. It's not true at all. Not true. It's all your idea. It's all your idea. <laughs> My sanity or lack thereof is on your conscience. True. <laughs> uh, other than that, I will be starting to print some Stalingrad terrain. Um, I've got some files set up for the Stalingrad department store that I want to print, um, which will be a big, big project. Um, other than that, I've been painting uh, mainly a bit of ancients, some ancient Germans. I've finished off my ancient German collection, um, chipping away at finishing off all my uh, gladiators now and doing some ancient Greeks. Uh, what's, and- uh, what scale and what game are they uh, for? All 28 mil. Um, mm-hmm. The Germans will be used for SPQR, Hail Caesar, um, maybe a bit of Infamy, Infamy as well. Infamy is the one I've been looking at because yeah, I've got got a bunch of Romans uh, now, yeah. and uh, yeah, Inf- Infamy looks really cool. I like the like lighting games, like a um, uh, ancient version of Chain of Command. 
Um, oh. And then the, the Gladiators, I've actually got a list um, that was in one of the War Games Illustrated magazines for using a Gladiator Revolt in SPQR, which I've always been keen to do. And there's another, uh, not necessarily an indie game, but a... Um, Another game called uh, Sons of Mars, which is all about running a gladiator Ludus. Um, so they'll all go towards uh, my own little gladiator school in the Colosseum. Um, so, Rubes, I, I, I have to ask you, do you like films about gladiators? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and... <laughs> no, <not yet. laughs> um, I've seen the photos, Bruce. We all know the truth. <laughs> so, yeah, um, other than that, uh, chipping away at a couple of Marvel characters for um, Marvel Crisis Protocol as well. Yep. Um, and then just trying to catch up on the backlog of building uh, endless boxes of plastic, trying to clear some shelf space by uh, clearing boxes. So, that's pretty much it. So I think um, Hari and I, I'm going to speak for both Hari and myself when we say this, is thank you very much for the help you've been giving us in regards to printing stuff for CanCon. Um, it is an amazing help for us because uh, like, it's just the sheer volume of um, terrain that we need to take up to, you know, with us is just is astronomical. So any help has been incredible and you've been yeah very generous with that so it's been thank you very much no that's okay always happy to help and um as time goes on i've got plans for about seven or eight different tables that i'll be doing in the future so um yeah next year's event or other events uh i should have more than uh two or three tables available yeah word well done all right garrett you've been fingering me with your french so what else have you been doing now let's see it. Do I am um, dinner first. Yeah, yeah. I like to. I like to buy him dinner before he gets fucked. Hey, no, you didn't. Me? You didn't buy me any fucking dinner. You bought me. Oh, you didn't buy me KY. It was horrible. Yeah, let's not talk about the colonel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've made a mine printed out some lovely 105 French howitzers back from the. Uh, I don't know, 1907. Um, got a bit of that, that modeling clay, made a bit of a base, and then stuck some 20, spent 22 cartridge shells into the clay to make it look like a build-up of spent shells. Um, so just been basing stuff at the moment, getting everything CanCon ready, I'd say. Excellent. So uh, we got that's a, it. That's we it. Got a, we got a game in the other day at um, uh, Miscast Misfits in Limbrook. That was a bit of fun. Yeah, it was. We did some CanCon training practice, loosely. Uh, so, 12.50 on one of your new tables, which was beautiful. Had uh, a real sort of moroccan desert theme to it. Lots of, what would you call that, tabula rasa buildings with some uh, big rocky outcrops and whatnot on there. And, uh, yeah, I just sort of overran you with 21 order dice. It was savage. So, I took a British list um, that had... Uh what I have just a shitload of veterans and some bits and pieces and yada yada yada, and it was uh, it, uh, it's just really hard to kind of hold back that horde and like I mean you like a lot of it is kind of um, you know inexperienced and therefore it's you know it's not particularly good, but it's just there's just so much going on and having three medium outs is, is a is a real is a real bonus. And let's not give too much away for uh, my CanCon opponents, eh? I think we can give the whole list away now. Come on, let's let's let people know what they're in for. I mean, it's 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 Cheese Fest 101. No, That's we're, it. not gonna do that. we're not going to do that. Um, 
Although, how you managed to squeeze six tanks into a French list, um, and on all of them we've got super heavy AT guns, I will never know. So, Tristan, come on. It's a French list. Calling them tanks is a stretch. They're angry <laughs> They're angry baguette machines. The angry, t- <laughs> angry baguette machines. <laughs> oh, excuse me. All right. If Garrett's feeling really cheesy, he'll just twat someone with a frozen croissant. That's true. You, you brought, brought your bee with a frozen croissant. Yeah, you can break some skulls with that, couldn't you? You can. You really could. All right, sneaky cheese, Hoppy. What have you been doing, son? Oh, jeez, not not very much. I, I had a bunch of uh, big ideas about stuff, and then I got real sick. Like, oh. um, yeah, I got the uh, the the uh, the Wuhan flu is nothing to fuck with. That's for uh, sure. You caught the spicy cough. Yeah, after three years of, of avoiding the bastard thing. You were dodging um, that thing like the Matrix. Yeah. It caught up with you. It got me. It's just a matter of time. Um, well, yeah. You ain't sneaky. Oh, man. Jesus. Like, not to get all political and or anything, but uh, no, that shit's real and that is nothing, no joke. Like, it's... Well, it's not uh, political. That's just... That's, that's science, yeah. my friend. It's, it's real. <laughs> yeah. It is It is out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know... I was working on some stuff for, uh, um, you know, the Oz Painting Forum. I usually do the monthly painting competition. I had some big ideas there. I managed to finish a little bit of that. Uh, so I have taught myself how to paint corner camouflage uh, by hand without an airbrush, uh, which is no mean feat. But, um, yeah, no, I... I uh, I didn't get a lot done this last little while, to be perfectly honest. I, I was just uh, hard-pressed to get off the couch. <laughs> no, <laughs> the best it, it knocks you for six, man. It really does. It's really it's rough, yeah. No, it's not pleasant at all. I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, uh, I did get the rules for um, Lion Rampant 2nd uh, Edition. They arrived the other day, and uh, probably more to the point, um, never mind the Bill Hooks second edition. So I've been uh, working on finishing off my um, two War of the Roses armies for that. Um, yeah, a couple of bits of armor for uh, for my Desert Rats, but um, no, not a productive little stretch of time this last one. These things happen, mate. These things happen. Yeah. Hari, what have you been doing? I've been rebuilding Tunisia one building at a time, and I'm what in the name of fresh fuck have you gotten yet? Jesus, suffer! It's a good look. Fuck. It's a real good look. Mate, See, this is this it. is the problem. This is the problem with this not being a visual medium. Is that oh, I'm wearing the, I'm wearing a fly hat at the moment, and you guys. I was wondering why. No, I that's it. Started dumping yeah. on Tristan. He's currently got what I can only assume is a dice tray on his head. That's I'm, at a, no. I got to be honest. I gotta be honest. It's some I'm medieval sure. cardinal style. Hari, I'm actually really impressed because it is it is indeed a deep cut studios dice tray. Um and yeah. I've got one for I've got one for everybody. So um yeah. I've got to um, catch up with you guys. Yeah, no, I've been working on terrain um, yep. with some much needed assistance from my wonderful girlfriend Eb. She's been keeping me on track with all that. And I've, yeah, she just stands there with a fucking baseball bat and just whack across the back of the legs. That wasn't the beating I was talking about, but okay. Yeah, I've taken a break from working (laughs) on terrain to start working on miniatures because for the first time in fuck knows how long, I'm running a demo game in a couple of weeks for one of the local lads. So, yeah, we have another one for the fold and I'm going to try and convince him to go to CanCon. Yeah, nice one. That's what we want. We need to get Ebony to go to CanCon. We need to get her to sign up. Yeah, I don't, uh, maybe. Come on, do it. What's wrong with that? 
She's coming. Well, she is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Um, this is me. Um, I have just been in a world of shit. Um, just literally doing... Um, it is your job, after all. Terrain. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a plumber. I mean, there is that. No, it's just been terrain. Terrain, 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 terrain. I've just been pumping out tables. Um, so after I got back from the UK, I just sort of, you know, locked down a bit. And now I'm just, yeah, just cranking out terrain. Um, and it's awful. Uh, just because I really want to sort of get back to painting my deck and doing some other stuff. And I don't get to do that at all. So, yeah, it's just basically just been terrain, 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 terrain. And it's um, just one of those things where you just have to keep just plowing forward and just hoping for the best. So, um, yeah, luckily, sort of people have come out of the woodwork. They've decided to help. Um, and I really want to get back to painting miniatures because I've got this whole DAC force I just talked about. And it's just like I, I just see it up there and I want to paint it and I want to get it done because I've got this tiny little DAC force. And like the event, like the, the the list that I took to Operation Bear was not the list that I wanted to take, but it was the the, the list that I had to take because that's all I fucking have painted. So a bigger DAC. I wanted a bigger DAC force. Like I wanted to be able to take Schutzen and Diana and all this kind of like all this you know kind of crazy shit. But you know, I, I mean, you know, I'm going to skirt over that joke because it was a low joke, and we don't do low jokes here at the Bacon Burgers. <laughs> yes, we fucking do. Yeah, you're right. We do. We, we are all about we are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, Our jokes go so low in times we pass Steve McQueen tunneling out of a fucking prison. Oh, camp. okay. I thought that was a, a dead Steve McQueen joke. Wow. I was going to be like, that's yeah. Boring. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I was going to say, I, th I thought you had standards. Um, so yeah, uh, it, my hobby has just been terrain. It's um, it is good because I'm actually like the nice thing is is that I've got friends like Russell the Love Muscle. And I know that we sling a bit of crap his way because, you know, he's this weird Tasmanian. But, I mean, God bless him because nobody else will. Um, he is amazing as a, a font of knowledge. And you, the number of times I've rung him up and said, hey, I'm trying to do this. What do you reckon? And within 10 minutes, he says he's told me exactly how to do it. And it's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've come up with... Uh, I think I've got four boards that are like, you know, I've, I did the, the Ruin train station, which I think I, I shot you guys some photos of. Yep. Um, with the coal piles. I couldn't believe how well that came out. And then I've got this other desert board with this huge, like, rocky outcrop. Um, and then I've got... Uh, I'm working on... What am I working on at the moment? Oh, that's right, the causeway. Uh, like, the um, the embankment. So, um, yeah, we're just sort of... Uh, I'm just sort of working on that at the moment. And uh, once that's done, I'll move on to something else. So I want to try and get a winter board out. Rubes is sending me down some stuff that he's... 3D printed, so in the new year in January, uh, leading up to me going away, um, it'll be just go, go, go with terrain. So that by the time I go up there, um, everyone will have something nice to play on. But You're going you're to have to heli lift all that terrain up there, mate. Well, luckily, 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 um, yeah, I, I am getting a trailer, but it's, um, so, uh, it's the other Tristan. Um, uh, well, T T1? T1, I tell you, I'm borrowing T1's trailer. This is actually for real folks, by the way. Um, so, um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go through it. I mean, it's, it's amusing. So, um, I'm Tristan James White, and uh, one of my good mates is Tristan John White. So, it's the same first name, last name, and middle initial, and it's all spelled the same way as well. Uh, fucking bizarre. Well, it gets better. He's a plumber. Yeah, um, I'm a plumber. And we're roughly the same age. Roughly the same age. Both big beards. You guys both tried out for the Australian version of Hunted. 
That's we awesome. did. Yeah, we actually signed up. We actually got really far through the audition process as well. And the even cooler thing was that we put things in place. Um, we So he's, like I said, he's Tristan John White. I'm Tristan James White. We actually found Tristan Joel White, um, who is a resident of South Melbourne, who was going to help us out as well. So it was going to be three Tristan J. Whites. And he was really cool about the whole thing. I just rang, like I found him on Facebook and just like messaged him. And he rang me like within a day and he was like, hey, what's going on? And I told him, and he's like, that's amazing. I'm in. So, you know, Tristan J. Whites, we just, we help each other out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Needless to say, we didn't get in. Otherwise, I would have been, you know, on the run and that would have been funny. Well, that's it. Plan, that's, for, those, for those who don't know what Hunted is, it's a, uh, a reality TV show where yep. normal everyday yep. people go on the run for a month, is it? From, uh, uh, it was, no, it was only like three weeks. But yeah, looking at it, watching that show though, I'm like, we would have won that. Like, our plan was bulletproof, mate. There was no way they were. Gonna, although, you know, maybe they didn't pick us because the plan was a little bit too bulletproof and wouldn't have made for good television. It would have, it would have made like within by by the end of week two, we would have just been staggering around the bush, like you know, Hearts of Darkness meets Apocalypse. Now it would have been, it would have been weird as shit. <laughs> anyway, place of random ears that you've just got along the way. <laughs> They're just trophies, mate. What are you talking about? It's all good. <laughs> um, and you can't give me any shit, Rubes. You signed off on the whole lot. You were like, "Yeah, I'll help. I'll do it." <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's keep this show moving, shall we? Uh, update, my friend. So sorry, uh, you've spoken enough. It's CanCon update, Hari. I'd like let's hear from you, my friend. How are we right. looking? CanCon, we are looking very, very good. We have prepped up unbeknownst to both Tristan and myself until I emailed Tim the other day and was like, hey, can I get the uh, updated player count for the Bolt Action event? And he's like, sure, you've got 43 players. And I just kind of sat back and went, when the fuck did that happen? Yeah. That's so up. we are steadily collecting players. We have lists coming in now on the regular. Um, for those listening, there are a number of lists that have been approved I, wow. I think I think every list that we've been as of recording this episode right now on the what is it the first the first of December every list that we've received so far I think we've had a couple of pushbacks where we've said maybe tone it down a bit because yeah. but most of them have just been blanket yep sounds good yeah and if I can and... just jump in for a second hang yep. on the 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 biggest thing that I'm seeing right now which I absolutely fucking love Cancon 2023 welcome to the game the medium machine gun yeah. The overwhelming majority of lists have included at least one, if not two, medium machine guns where they haven't been available in reinforced platoons. They've gone for theatre selector lists that allow it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's almost like they're viable and they're worth taking now. Yeah, I think the suppression mechanic really changes the game, um, yep. at least for the medium machine gun. Yeah. But we're on track with 43 players so far. We have, last time I checked the spreadsheet, provisions for 84 tables what? Uh, no. 84 players. Okay, yeah. thank fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I literally just shit myself a little bit. I'm like, what are you talking about? When do we get 160 players? That's a, that's yeah. a, a long time before we make that happen. Kristen just had a, a touching cloth moment. No, we yeah. have provisions for to 84 players. Yeah. So this is well and truly on track to be the absolute top tier of top tier events. And speaking of which, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this opportunity to to make a, a very very special bacon burger announcement. I can confirm officially um, that uh, while I was at a uh, very recent, I was at Operation Bear recently, and it was hosted at um, House of War. 
Uh, I was in there talking to Deb and Riordan, and they have decided to jump on board the CanCon train and help us out and support us. I can confirm that we announced on the HMG podcast that we'd be doing um, player show bags. So every single player that comes to uh, that comes to um, CanCon will receive a uh, show bag with a sprue from War Games Atlantic. We have those now; they're done. Uh, they'll be receiving a pre-painted building from um, uh, Battlefield Accessories. Thank you very much, Mike and Lance. And also a custom dice from Dice of War for uh, for the actual event. Um, we can also say that in one of those show bags, there will be a golden ticket. And whoever gets that golden ticket is going home with a 3D printer. Sneaky's eyebrows just went up. That's fucking... <laughs> Tell us more. What's the What's the printer? Uh, it's actually in the front room at the moment. I don't have any. It's. I mean, as if I'm going to bring it into this fucking disaster of a hobby cave. Um, I will get some information as soon as we come back after the break. I will tell everybody exactly what it is. But I can confirm that yes, yeah, somebody is going to get a 3D printer just for showing up. Everybody is getting the goodie bag. Everybody is getting that. That's in the that that's in the bank son. But one lucky player will literally get his little goodie bag and he go, oh, this is great. Oh, I got my sprue. Blah, blah, blah. Golden ticket. I've won a 3D printer. I lined all this up. I was at work and my phone started ringing off the hook. Yes. And I'm going, okay, someone's either dead or someone is dying. He's dead. (laughs) I I took 10 minutes off the floor and called him back and said, okay, what's the deal? What's the emergency? No, you didn't. No, say it it right. You were like, what the fuck is wrong? Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. And Tristan was like, okay, I've got some news. Everything's all good. But are you sitting down? And I said, no, I'm not sitting down. He's like, well, are you going to sit down? No, I'm not going to sit down. He's like, okay. (laughs) I got us a 3D printer as a giveaway. And my legs more or less just buckled underneath me and I kind of sank down to the floor. It was like, we have been consistently blown away by the amount of support that the community gives us. It's incredible. But honestly, never in our wildest dreams did we imagine that we'd be putting a golden ticket giveaway a 3D printer up for our first time running CanCon. I just think it's incredible that somebody is going to win that prize just for showing up. They're going to they're going to literally just show up and just they'll be like, "I've won a 3D printer just for showing up." It's incredible. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there's talk that there may be another one there on the prize table. We're not entirely certain. We're trying to iron out the details on that one. Um, but I, I feel mean, like the granddad out of Willy Wonka. I have I just that was- my ticket. Okay. I've got a golden ticket <laughs> in my hand. That's Sneaky, it. I'm in. Sneaky, just bought it. Sne- you just bought it? Yep. All right. I'll, uh, I'll make sure. 40, you make sure 44 you now. Oh, that's excellent. Count now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible that we that we get that. Um, I can also confirm that Kaiju Beer, uh, we are all but... Um, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered that we are going to be uh, re-upping the sponsorship for Kaiju for next year. Uh, Kaiju is actually releasing a new beer within the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be a hazy pale. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to get my... It's going to sound dirty, but I can't wait to get my lips around that. Um, and we're going to have a heap more beer to give away at CanCon. So everyone's like... It's just... It's it's looking bonkers. Like, the price, the, the price support is now starting to roll in. Um, we've got uh, confirmed trophies coming from uh, Knights of Dice because those guys are just, you know, Viv is just an absolute legend of a human being. But um, the other thing is that we're starting to... Uh, uh, we put a terrain drive up and uh, the community answered. Thank you very much to everybody who's donated um, 
uh, tables for our event. Um, just know that you, you know, you guys are, you know, helping us make something very, very special, and we appreciate it um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's just I, I rang Hari, I rang, I rang you today actually, and I just rang you out, and so like, I can't believe that this is where we're at. Like, we're we're you know less than two months away from CanCon, and you know things are starting to you know sort of gel. They're starting to form. I'm not freaking out all the time yet. I'm I'm just freaking out some of the time. You're freaking but, out most of the time. I am. It's true. I'm trying to keep it under control, but it's it's not working for me. It's a damning indictment that I have to be the voice of reason in this dynamic. It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody has to be. <laughs> so, um, the, um, so, yeah, you guys. I was just going to say, as the uh, HMG boys would say, who I know you were just on a podcast with recently. This is a call to action. It is, mm. ladies and gents. If you haven't bought your ticket yet, do it. Do yeah, it. Get your, just do get it, guys. Guys, buy your tickets because, um, yeah, I have a feeling that you know, as we get closer to the day, they're going to start selling very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, get your lists in. We're seeing a lot of lists, um, and yeah, most of everyone seems to understand what it is that we're trying to achieve, and the listing um, reflects that. Like yeah. I said, we've had—I think we've had two lists that we've had to sort of, you know, sort of let's let's calm down a bit on that one. And most people yeah. are like, yep, yeah, all good. No worries. Is this fine? Yeah, it's fine. All good. Rubber stamp. Just uh, also on the the CanCon topic, I'll just chuck this out there in case Please. anyone picks it up. Um, if anyone's driving up from Melbourne to Canberra and uh, wants a passenger that'll chuck in some uh, petrol money, hit me up because um, I need to figure out a way to get up there. You hear you heard it here first. If you want your very own sneaky cheese riding shotgun, and he will bring his own shotgun. Um, and his own so, cheese, and his own cheese, and he will he will ride shotgun through the the arid wastelands between you know Melbourne and Canberra. Um, I can confirm that he is a good travelling partner. Uh, he does bring good conversation. Um, yeah, hit up Sneaky, get sorted, and you know let's uh, let's get as many people up there as possible. So um, I think that's about it for the updates at the moment. Like I said, the terrain is is currently kicking along quite nicely. Uh, prize support is continuing to roll in. We're just putting the, the finishing touches on things. Uh, we would, um, I think this week we released the uh, the CanCon support spotlight was on Battlefield accessories. Yep. Uh, Mike and Lance, uh, sterling individuals. Um, I think that we're going to try and get Mike and Lance on in the new year for an interview. Uh, we've got a few interviews lined up um, from around the globe, actually. I've been reaching out. And I'm starting to get you know get things sort of trickling back in now, which is quite nice. Maybe we should interview one of the guys from Scotland. Maybe we get maybe we get Alistair on. Maybe you guys can interview Alistair and find out what the deal is with Scotland. Find out why they're why they're so angry all the time. <laughs> Garrett, you want to interview a Scotsman? You'd do that, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd be all right. I'll be up for that one. <laughs> no, don't use that. You fucking you, you use that voice. You'll punch yeah, we it. don't we don't need an international incident. Um, you got you were going to say that. Come on, bring it yeah, on, let's do it. We had one when we unleashed you on Warlord HQ. True. I assaulted like, England. I assaulted yeah, England in a heavy, heavy Marcus way. was demanding that we pay for his therapy bills. That's true. Have we recorded since I got back? We have, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did, yeah, just okay. after you got back. Cool, all right. I fucking it all just blurs together at this stage. All the people anyway. in it's giving you dementia. It's true. It's there's so much. I've literally, I'm, I'm buying it in bulk at the moment, and Mate. I was talking to, I was talking to, yeah, oh, no, no, I've, okay, I'll have to use some of that. Yeah. I was talking to Russ the other day, and we were talking about painting terrain. He's like, yeah, you need to use fence, fence paint. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, 
you will go through paint at a geometric rate if you just literally use and he's right i've had to buy like a fucking 10 liter tub of fence paint just to paint shit brown um i like Vallejo well, colors. I, I recommend for that uh, particularly if and you probably will be dealing with um uh fdm 3d prints get a couple of cans of auto prime filler primer because yeah. it, it gives really thick coverage but yeah. you sand it back and you get rid of all the layer lines oh yeah right oh, yeah 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 yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So it's automotive that. automotive fill primer the stuff that you um you know if you need to sand out like a big old deep scratch in your yeah. your car paint work you know you you go over it with that and then you buff it and it just kind of meets you meets you halfway okay. um yeah, yeah so that, that's how how i get like a nice finish on um uh all of the fdm armor and buildings and whatever i do uh, the other one it, it's a little bit expensive but a little bit of it goes a long way um we've talked about this before as well is the uh stone effects spray paint you get from bunnings now let me ask you this hang on just give me a second dear listener is that the stuff you're talking about, Sneaky? That's exactly the stuff I'm talking okay, about. Okay, I can't get... Like, Viv put me onto this, and I can't make it work. It just... It literally just spits out globules of shit. And like, it doesn't... Yeah, do it does. You've got, you got to mask... you got to, you got to mask off the areas you don't want it on. Yeah. So you just get some masking tape and cut cut a little uh, mask. But, um, yeah, I've, I've found that's really good for, like, stucco textures or, like, a, um, you know, a rough stone sort of... Can. I'm not talking about overheat it, but just like some warm water. Yeah. Or under the armpit for five, ten minutes and heat yeah. the can up because that will help the um, the flow of the paint out of the can. Oh, okay. There you go. I mean, did you hear that from a, 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 a what did they call them down there? A, a, gra- a grapher? Jeez, I sound old. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, oh, years and years ago, another hobbyist uh, was talking about paints and spray cans and how. You need to sort of either put in some warm water or uh, you know hug the can a little bit just to get some heat to it to to um, increase the I'll have a look at that. coming out. Yeah, mm. if it's too cold, it'll be too gluggy. If it's too hot, um, it'll dry too quick. So your optimal p- temperature for paints uh, and for painting is around about 23 to 25 degrees <laughs> as low humidity. So yeah. you just stick, stick it up your butt for 20 minutes, it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing they, they say as well, if you look at the directions for nearly any um, professional spray paint, they say shake for five minutes, right? So they're yeah. talking about having like an automatic, um, <laughs> I was just making wanking gestures on the, to, to, to illustrate, um, yeah. like an automatic paint shaker that you, you would put the shit in and just leave it for five minutes while it agitates. Yeah. Um, um, I went yeah. to paint store. 20 years ago up in Bendigo and um, yeah we had an industrial strength shaker for um, look like a washing machine that would shake mm. the larger tins of paint and stuff when we were put in the tent um, yeah. it would um, slightly warm and, and shake uh, the cans to get the paint colour right through and same with cans uh, you yeah. can give that good shake I, look, I, I even have a little uh, I, I got this recently a little, little uh, vortex mixer on my painting desk yeah, now I've got, um, the, um, I've got a nail polish shaker yeah, yeah this, this one's uh, for marketed as um being for uh tattoo inks but uh exactly the same yep. same thing you just press your 
uh, your, your little eyedropper bottle on it, and it. Uh, yeah, you guys are way too way too high tech. I literally just put rubber bands around a little reciprocating saw. I press the trigger, and this thing just literally goes up and down at a geometric rate. It shakes. I just have a vision of that, just like Ramsteining uh, paint all around the, it's the office. I'm not yeah. saying it hasn't happened. Yeah, um, it's absolutely unholy. Oh yeah. So um, the other thing I've actually found doing uh, uh, doing this um, whole uh, terrain thing is that like um, I, love, I, re- I really like Vallejo colors uh, because you can like all right, I know what my color progressions are. Um, taking paint samples of Vallejo colors into Bunnings and getting them color matched and getting sample pots is brilliant because mm. you can get um, like 500 mils of uh, say German grey or beige brown or any of the other colors that you like using a lot when you're painting terrain and you can get them for about 8 bucks for a little like a half a litre sample pot it's great I'll tell you what I, mean, I, I always found that for, for terrain um, because the yeah the same color color that you would paint a house, we're just yeah. painting a miniature house. So um, <laughs> you know colors like the your Naples yellow, like a, a pale sort of Mediterranean yellow color for houses or whatever. There's so many like mushrooms and beiges and whatever that buildings yeah. actually are painted. That yeah you just you can just walk in and just buy the little sample pots for yeah absolutely fuck all hundred percent you can. Anyway, so that's uh, that's what we've been doing for CanCon. Uh, everything is progressing nicely at the moment. Um, yeah, so just uh, like, uh, like the boys said, uh, yeah, let's keep uh, let's keep those lists coming in. Let's get uh, people buying their tickets. Um, come along, and like I said, if you come along and you score that golden ticket, you're going home with a 3D printer, which is uh, actually I will put a caveat in there. So for the guys who are flying in. Uh, just be aware that if you do win that 3D printer, uh, you are going to be responsible for getting it home. So, um, see how you go. Anyway, I think we'll uh, hit a break. Yeah. Uh, we'll go. I'm going to get a cup of tea and close the door because I'm starting to get carried off by mosquitoes. It's fucking awful down here. Ah, get off me. So, um, um, yeah, we might cut to an ad and uh, an interview and come back after that with uh, some more uh, fancy talk. Because you yeah, guys, good. you guys caught up with an absolute sterling individual, so I'm looking forward to hearing from that. Yeah, and we had to apologise profusely for your conduct. That's fair enough. I'll wear that. I'll own that. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back after these messages. War and Peace Games are Australia's best supplier of all your hobby needs, wants and must-haves. Operating out of Sydney, Ian and the crew boast a large selection of gaming systems, including Bolt Action, Flames of War, Frostgrave, Oathmark and many more. They also stock an incredible range of hobby supplies from Army Painter and Vallejo to get your army looking its best for the tabletop. Give the guys a call or check out the amazing range at www.warandpeacegames.com.au And welcome back to the Bacon Burgers, where we are here with a very special guest. Um, you will know him as one of the mover and shakers behind the scenes at Warlord Games HQ. Uh, please welcome Marcus, the Warlord Games Tournament Coordinator. That Welcome, Marcus. Hello, thank you very much for having me, chaps. Lovely to be here, uh, even if it is first thing on a Monday morning in the UK. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal to have you here. Uh, first of all, we do need to apologise on behalf of the Bacon Burgers. 
we didn't realize that of all the burgers we were sending over to the uk we were sending tristan and we had no idea he was going to accost you at warlord games hq so um we're sorry for any international incidents that may have caused Oh, that, that's fine. We threw them at our resident Australian uh, Pete Healy and metal casting, and uh, they seem to get along famously until some provincial drama arose. Uh, there's always provincial drama. You can never get away with it, especially those Victorians. They always love to cause trouble. Hey, this is near Queenslander. Hey, watch it, mate. I'm from New South Wales. All right. So, Marcus, um, first of all, what's your history in gaming? How did you get, get into all this? How did you get started with Warlord Games? Um, so... With my history in gaming, it's kind of pretty traditional. I remember, you know, at school, probably when I was like six, seven, eight, um, there must have been one of the teachers who was like a big 40k fan because there was the early Gaunt's Ghost novels in the school library and there was just this huge box of like classic white dwarfs that they donated. Oh, um, fantastic. And, you know, I, and I'd kind of grown up like making airfix models and stuff with dad. Um, and, you know, I just saw, oh, wow, you know, there's, you know, I can tell stories with my toy soldiers. Um, and I was absolutely hooked from there. Probably started actually sort of playing and wargaming when I was about nine, ten. Um, and for most, you know, until I was about, I'd say, probably until I was about 18, 19, it was just Games Workshop stuff. You know, they're very efficient at what they do with attracting new hobbyists and keeping new hobbyists. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, Space Marines are cool. Um, I was always more into the the law, the world side of it. I, you know, just because of where I grew up in the countryside and going to various schools, um, I didn't really have many mates that played much. So I was much more into, you know, just reading about it, learning about it, all the background stuff and doing some painting and modeling on the side. Um, and when I went to university, I was only at university very briefly, but I went up to, I went to Nottingham for university and literally the reasoning was Warhammer World's there. You know, Rock City's there. I don't really want to go to university, but it's got a cool music scene. You know, it's got Warhammer World. If I'm going to go, I may as well go to Knott's. Um, and I haven't, you know, 10 years later, I still haven't left. Um, and when I was up well, when I was up there, I got really into obviously playing a lot more 40K just because there were so many more people. Um, but I kind of, you know, that's when you start getting exposed to, you know, different games, more games, different companies, mm. just just because, you know, you meet different people um, and they've come from a different gaming background. So that was when I first got introduced to Bolt Action was um, when I was up in Knott's for the first time. Didn't really play it, but I was aware of it and I always thought, oh, that's really cool. It's like 40K, but World War Two. And that was, you know, that was my first kind of introduction to Warlord. Um, and, you know, that was when I was getting introduced to stuff like Lion Rampant and other sort of small-scale historicals. Um, and then I joined the prison service um, after I dropped out of uni. Didn't do an awful lot of wargaming for a couple of years, just because I was too busy, really. Um, yeah. uh, then when I left the prison service... That was when I was kind of like, well, what am I going to do with my life? You know, <laughs> just just come out of uniform. I've not got a degree. What am I supposed to do? Uh, ended up being a salesman for a little bit. Um, that wasn't I wasn't loving that. And then just as I was looking for a new job, and just by chance I saw Warlord had a customer service job going. 
Um, you know, it was literally round the corner from where I used to live at the time. I was like, hey, that looks pretty cool. I'd, I'd just been rejected for a games workshop job, of all things, which I'm actually really glad in hindsight I didn't get because I think oh, I'd, wow. I'd, I think I'd have gone insane. It was just, you know, it was, just, it, was store, it was store staff job. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll give it a go. Got through to interview and didn't get the job. And I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then the wall of one came up and I thought, you know what? This actually looks way less corporate and way more friendly than Games Workshop. Um, mm. And so I banged my application in, um, didn't hear back for a couple of months. I uh, thought they'd, you know, thought I'd not got anything. And then I got a call saying, hey, would you like to come in for an interview? Um, and I did, and it turns out basically it'd just been so busy they didn't have time to interview anyone. Um, and you know, because that was the the good old days when it was just Lorenzo and Robin in customer service. Yeah. And yeah, I got I came in for the interview on a Thursday. Um, kind of got called when I went home and said, "Hey, do you want to come in tomorrow for a trial shift?" Came in on the Friday for a trial shift, and then. Um, they said do you want to come in on saturday for some feedback i was like okay a bit weird but uh, yeah they were doing tons of overtime at the time because it was just so busy came in on saturday and got off for the job and started on tuesday and that Fantastic. was that that was nearly uh nearly four years ago now possibly even five i can't remember um but yeah i did uh, three nearly three years in customer service which i really enjoyed um you know just it was absolutely fantastic and it was just so eye-opening to actually work in the war games industry um you know you don't you, you never quite get over some of the initial like hang on a minute i do this for a job uh, you know you walk around the warehouse and you look at just like boxes on boxes of stuff and it's still you kind of go this is cool this is really cool um but i did, did, did three years in customer service um and then i, I was kind of going well you know I love what I'm doing, but I'd like to progress a little bit. Um, and at the time, I'd done a little bit of work um, in terms of organising tournaments and, you know, helping get stuff set up. But that had gone by the wayside with COVID. And I'd also done quite a bit of writing articles, you know, just writing articles, you know, battle reports and um, just random odds and sods, really, for the newsletter and the website. And a job came up in the design studio for basically a content producer and an article writer and i jumped at that i was like this this is awesome um and i went and interviewed for that and was really lucky to get that um so i ended up in the studio and sat just opposite paul sawyer which is which was at the time absolutely surreal because hang on a minute he edited all those white dwarfs i was reading <laughs> growing up um and, and, and now he's you know now he's saying profound things to me like shut up and do some work <laughs> and, that's and, really and, gotta and, shake you shake you and, up yeah. a bit in the mornings just <laughs> jesus yeah well it's one of those you know that you know you get your starstruck for the first little bit and then you realize oh, they all, you know everyone is just people you know and then, mm. but it's it's amazing to sit next to that wealth of industry knowledge and hobby knowledge um and then but you know i was just in there in the studio writing away um and some of the people that i'd previously worked with to help put tournaments on and support tournaments were getting in touch with me and going hey you know we want to put some tournaments on and i kind of just i guess i just didn't shut up about it um and kind of kept like badgering paul like you know can we support these guys and eventually I kind of got offered, hey, would you like to be the tournament coordinator as well? And I you know, jumped at that with both hands and both feet. And that's kind of how we got to where we are today. A long roundabout story of random twists and turns. I mean, that is 
that's genuine job satisfaction right there. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I'll put my hand up and say, as one of the uh, people hearing this, I'm insanely jealous of where you get to work. It's, it's a a Warner's dream. It's like hobby heaven. But there's a little side of me that thinks. You know, I'm kind of glad I don't work there because I'd probably never get anything done. I'd be too distracted by all the shiny stuff. Or, that uh, that does fade pretty quickly. But. Or have a <laughs> bank account because you're always buying the new products coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, 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 absolutely. You don't, you, don't buy, you don't spend half as much with a staff discount. You buy twice as much. <laughs> um, that's all that means. Yep, that, <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> But no, it's one of those, you know, that does, you know, that didn't, the magic doesn't fade, but you do realise, you know, quite quickly, oh, I am here to do a job. You've got to, you know, knuckle down and be professional. But there's yeah. still those moments every time, you know, we get the first, like, painted example from one of the painters of a new release in the studio. Everyone kind of crowds around and wants to have a look. And yeah, it, 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 my, my desk is currently surrounded by display cabinets. I, I literally, I work in the middle of this kind of little crystal maze of display cabinets with studio painted figures in, which is insane. It's so cool. It's, it's the best office I've ever had. Absolutely mental. I mean, speaking in terms of new releases, I just want to jump in and say the Gentleman's War starter kit. You guys have outdone yourselves with that. That is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the two new plastic kits in there, the SDKFZ Triple Two and the Humber Mark Two. They're absolutely beautiful. Uh, hats off to whoever designed those kits and all the people behind the scenes that work to make those a reality. They've absolutely nailed it. They are an absolute joy to assemble. I can't wait to get mine painted. Oh, that, that's really good to hear. So those, um, the absolute best of my knowledge, were with Italeri. They're in partnership with, obviously, Italeri, which is a mm. long-standing relationship we have. And what they'll do is there will be a process of going back and forth. So they'll send us a test shot. And Derek, who is our studio, he's one of our studio painters, but he specializes in our vehicles, but he's also a massively experienced scale modeler. So it's he. what he does is he'll come up with revisions of like, oh, this bit doesn't go together quite well, or that bit's a bit fragile. And that will go back and forth between him and the, uh, and the plastics company and the designers. And then they, they'll thrash out the kit that way. Um, so it's really good because I, I, I do remember them going back and forth a few times with those. Um, so it's really good to hear that the finished product is as good as we thought it was going to be. I mean, the only issue I had with the Humber was that I was gluing it together at about 12 o'clock at night, which is a terrible idea. And Ooh, I glued yeah. this is backwards, which means that I had to go back and trim it off, sand everything yeah. down and reattach it. But that's my mistake no mistake on the part of the kit um it is even without looking at the instructions it's a very intuitive kit um straight yeah. away i could see i could see sub assemblies appearing so i mean italeri have done a fantastic job you guys have done a fantastic job packaging it the way you have um that starter kit straight off the bat you've got two 500 point approximately forces there it's a great jumping in point for anyone getting started with bolt action. Yeah, which is exactly what it's designed for. You know, it's bolt action is for my money, probably the easiest war game of its scale to get into. Obviously, you know, you can have tiny little like gang games, like something like judge dread, for example, is objectively easier to get into. Cause you need like three models, but for the, the size of game it is that kind of skirmishy warbandy level game 
bolt action so quick and easy to get into because it is just get yourself some infantry get yourself a vehicle you're squared away you know you've got that 500 points 750 points and you can play with that which is really nice it's one of the things that we wanted to show off with bolt action is hey look for the price of you know a tank from another company boom here's two starter armies mm. yeah you've absolutely nailed it um I'm not sure what the uh, pricing scene is like in the UK, but thinking in terms of similar games here, uh, one game that I know that markets itself on a low model count is uh, Infinity by Corpus Belli. But thinking in terms of Australian prices, you're probably looking at a similar outlay to get a standard 300-point army for Infinity, which is anywhere between 8 and 20 figures. That price point yeah. translates to roughly a 1,000 to 1,250-point army for bolt action. Yeah. So bolt action is ridiculously accessible. Hmm. Yeah, which, and that was that's by design, to be honest. Um, you know, that, that's one of the, the great strengths of bolt action is the simplicity and accessibility. Um, and, you know, I think it'd be silly of us not to push on that. Mm, absolutely I've always, I've always loved the fact that i could buy a box of infantry and maybe a vehicle and there's a good starter army no matter what army i'm going for um a box yeah. of plastics will do me my my base will cover my base usually almost a whole platoon um add a vehicle and and boom starter army it's something I've done a couple of times in articles is whenever we drop a new box of plastic infantry, um, I'll sit down as an article and go, boom, let's make an army out of this. Like just using this plastic box set of infantry. And it is doable. You know, yeah, it's not the most competitive army in the world a lot of the time unless you're doing something like SAS or whatever. Um, and even then you want your Jeeps. But you can do a full army out of one box of infantry, which is mad. Mm. And I love that. I really do. Yeah, it's, it's something that's always had an appeal to it, and it's something that has always made it easy to convert people to bolt action, um, you know, for want of a better word. When you dangle the, pri- the entry price point in front of people and then point out that realistically you're looking at one box of infantry, a vehicle, maybe a support blister, that's your starting 1,000 points, people suddenly go, oh, hang on a minute. This isn't some massively cost-prohibitive project I have to embark on. Which no, I think I think it also speaks to the, you know, the simplicity of the system itself. There, I mean, yeah. there are people out there who would like to see a more granular approach to things, but I think the simplicity makes it accessible to everyone, not just a core of dedicated gamers. This is anyone from someone who's been in the hobby for 50 years to someone who's never played a war game in their life and has just picked up a rule book. Absolutely. And again, that's by design. The important thing to remember with Bolt Action is that it's always got to be a good game first and then a World War II game second. It's more important to have a good, fun game than to go, oh, actually, uh, these two rifles are very slightly different in ballistic performance, so we're going to give them different stats. It, it's not a simulator. It's mm. it's a fun ge- It's a fun game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Rubes and I have had some interesting games against each other. 
I still hurt occasionally from one of them, but, you know, it's all in the past. Yeah, yeah, chuckle away, Rubes. Um, You mentioned plastic kits. Now, we've seen some fantastic releases from Warlord over the previous two, three years. Are we going to see more plastic kits for some of the lesser nations, so to speak? I mean, we've seen you drop the plastic Italians and you followed that up with the Bersaglieri box. But is there a chance that we're going to see something like, say, a plastic Hungarian box or plastic Belgians, for example? So, in general, we absolutely want to go more and more and more to plastic. Obviously, it's, you know, you've got great economies of scale with plastic. You can do way more with plastic kits. The taste of the market today is more and more plastic box sets. Um, the, th- the thing you have to balance against that is the startup cost on plastics is enormous compared to metals. Mm. So absolutely, there will be more plastic kits coming out. And because, you know, we've we've got plastics for pretty much all the big ones yeah you know at some point we are probably going to start going more into the little bit of the obscure side of things um i mean with that said there are still kits that we're going to want to update you know in the same way that the british and canadian kit got updated you know that kit was showing its age a little bit and with the more experience we've got with the new molding technologies out there you know with the new styles of sprue design we thought well we can do this better so we did so it's a bit of it's a bit of a politician's answer um but yeah there is going to be more plastics in the future and yeah probably eventually we'll get around to doing some of the weird and wonderful stuff oh fantastic i mean i know there are when you mentioned the infantry kits that were showing their age i think the first one that leaps to people's minds is the russian infantry kit so yeah it's, that's you know it's, it's an older it's an yeah. older kit i imagine at some point we are going to want to redo that um and that you know and that's again it's a cool thing and they've got two kits there um with the winters as well that you know yeah at mm. some point they're going to want redoing and i'm quite glad for that because i love I, i've got a load of winter germans but i love having extra great coat arms oh absolutely with the i just want to touch on that russian box because that comes with a higher figure count than most of the others yeah. If in the future Warlord was to revisit them and redo them in similar style to the British and Canadians, would we see a reduction in the number of figures per box, or would Warlord oh. be looking more? I have absolute, I have absolutely no idea. I'm afraid. I very strongly suspect that the original reason that there were more in the box was a little bit of a hey, quantity has a quality all of its own. Um, a yeah. little bit of a nod to a little bit of a nod to that. Obviously, that's much more of a production decision because you know if we want to mm. go, if we want to change, you know, you know. So normally you get in six figures on a sprue, five sprues get you thirty bods. Um, obviously, if we change that, then potentially it's okay. The boxes need to change. That needs to be a different thing in the supply chain. You know, it may even need to change how we rack them in the warehouse. So honestly, that's so far above my pay grade. It's not even real. Um, you know, lo- lots of people that have sort of actual real jobs and don't just write things for a living um, and are much cleverer than me would have to work that one out. Yeah, I mean that's understandable. The logistics of that, I couldn't even begin to guess at, but. It'll be interesting to see, and I really do hope that box gets redone at some point, because as much as I want to do a Russian force, I don't want to do it enough to sit there and stick half a hundred rifles to individual hands. It's just... (laughs) There's a little Um, part of me that just dies inside every time I think about it. 
I'd say um, it's it's one of those where basically you can ask me are you gonna do this in the future and the answer is normally gonna be probably um, yeah it's one of those it's a rolling process and it's kind of you know as and when we get around to things and again yeah. that's you know that's the machinations of high command that you know drives what we're doing at any given time on that so I mean, it's good to hear that. And looking towards the future, now, for those listeners who aren't quite aware, Tristan and myself have taken on the mantle of running Australia's premier event, CanCon, uh, for 2023. Pursuant to that, we've been receiving a lot of fantastic support from Warlord Games, and we've there's been a bit of scuttlebutt floating around with regards to a tournament organizer program, a TO program. I was wondering if you had any insight to share with us on that as to where Warlord is kind of at with that and whether they're looking at actioning anything within the next six months to a year. So, um, to kind of run down what's happening. So, I am the tournament coordinator for the entire world except the Americas and Australia. Um, obviously, Australia, everything's handled through war and peace in terms of getting support to people very simply because the distances and economies of actually shipping support over. Um, my focus is enabling and supporting tournament organisers to put the best events on possible. So that's what I would say in terms of a TO program is what's in place. Now, this is actually a pretty new system. It's a new role that was created, really, and an absolute ton of fantastic support from Paul Sawyer in helping me in helping get this all set up. So basically, if I had to give Warlord's official stance on tournaments, we love them all. We want to support them all. Please talk to us. We'll give you free toys. And that, you know, that's basically as simple as I, I can mean, make it. You can't ask for a better incentive than that. Um, so in terms of actually reaching out to Warlord, because I do know that a lot of people, quite often they balk a bit at the idea of reaching out to a company. For yeah. Australia, our first point of contact would be War and Peace. And yeah. they do a phenomenal job. Uh, hats off to Sean and the crew there. You guys are absolutely fantastic. For anyone who's listening in, say, England or France or wherever, who would you recommend reaching out to? So, drop customer service an email, which is info at warlordgames.com, and just say, I want to put a tournament on. What's going to happen then is I will pick that ticket up myself and I will get back in touch with you personally. Um, the reason we put it in the inbox, in the customer service inbox, is just so there's a nice record of it, and also so that my personal work email isn't getting bombarded, um, and I don't lose emails that way. So, yeah, info at warlordgames.com. You can ask for Marcus, which is me, hello, or just say, I want to run a tournament, can you help? And I'll get in touch with you, and we'll have a chat and go from there. Fantastic. Can't ask for, any, for a uh, more straightforward answer than that. Well, that's it's it's designed. It's not supposed to be a process where there's millions of hoops to jump through, and it's really difficult. Basically, it's do you have at least eight players? Sweet. Then let's get the conversation rolling. Outstanding. Absolutely love the work you guys are putting in, and the support that we've received for CanCon has been phenomenal. I have to say really? that the uh, the giant trophy for the grand winner 
Oh, that that's a hefty chunk of resin. Oh, I yeah. dropped that on my foot. I'm still feeling the side effects of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're great. That, that um, absolutely kills. Um, I said that. Go on. Oh no, sorry. You go. It, it, we were talking about job satisfaction earlier. That's you know that for me. You know when you sit when I see an event that I've supported, and you know they've got the prize winners there, you know grinning like maniacs with something that I've arranged them to get out and to get to receive. That is job satisfaction. You know people are having fun because I've been able to help the TO give them a really good event. That that is job satisfaction for me. Hundred percent. I mean. It's satisfying running an event, but I can't imagine what it feels like to actually see an event that is successful and know that you've been a part of the behind the scenes work and that, you know, through your own work at the company, this is something that you have helped bring into existence. Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's something I've always said with taking over this role is I'm not here to run tournaments. You know, like if, if needs be, I can step in and run a tournament. You know, I can help, I can advise. But really what, I'm, what I want to be doing is sort of lurking in the background and just greasing the wheels and easing everything through. And, you know, in an ideal world, people have got no idea that, you know, there's anything going on in the background. It's just, wow, we went to this tournament and Warlord support was there and it was great. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's very much, it's not about, you know, being the big I am, he says, coming on a podcast. Um, but no, it's, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, not, it's not about me. It's about giving those TOs who have got these fantastic ideas, who put these great events on, giving them the resources they need to succeed and giving them the support that they need to, you know, to make it more and more appealing to their players and just everyone has a good time. You're out here doing the righteous work. Um, <laughs> one phrase that popped up earlier was lurking in the background. Now, for more than a few months, there has been a, a quiet undercurrent of conversation in the background of the community. And I think you know what, you, what I'm driving at here. <laughs> Version 3. Yeah. It, um, it pops up every now and then routinely about every 18 months it pops up as a serious conversation point and then disappears yep it's popping up too frequently now that we're starting to think there is some move towards uh the inception of version three well at some point in the future we're gonna do version three you know that's that's that you know that's not a great secret you know we did a version two at some point yeah. we're gonna want to do a version three because version two is banging on for nearly 10 years old now i think um, or it's going to be God, has it years been old. that long? I, I, no, I think my map. Yeah, I think 20, 20, 2014, So it's twenty twenty two now. So eight years. Yeah, something like that. Oh which my is crazy. God. Um, you know. Uh, wow, I've been bolt action for ten years. Sorry, I'm just having a minor <laughs> existential crisis over here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are very welcome. But no, you know, at some point in the future, yeah, we're almost certainly going to do V three. When's that going to be? Not a clue. Probably in the next few years. You know, is that five years? Is that ten years? Is that three years? Not a clue. Absolutely no idea. Um, hmm. So at some point we will do it. Um, but I mean, almost. Uh, but yeah, other than that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's fair enough. Just looking at where the community sort of is at the moment, and I don't want to use the phrase "the state of the game," but it is kind of what I'm hinting at. It seems that there needs to be a, a certain amount of overhaul of some things 
certain mechanics, yeah. certain rule books need to be brought up to par, certain, you know, the army's of books, the campaign books. It's it's not a uh, a whimsical undertaking. And I can no. certainly understand why, you know, Warlord would be keen to put as much time into that and to get that as right as possible before releasing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, if that is, you know, if and when version three does happen, it's not just going to be, oh yeah, we've, you know, added a couple of rules um, and we've put the FAQ in the main rule book. You know, I don't think that would be it. It would be a proper undertaking. So yeah, as I say, I've got no idea what form that might take, no idea what changes might happen, not even any idea, like if there's anything in the works already, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. regardless of what happens, I have no doubt that myself and Rubes will be sat here waiting with eager, sweaty palms for the uh, arrival of the postman with the new rule book, so we can just dive into it. Yeah. Oh, you, you and me both, mate. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's one of those. Um, yeah, I always get asked this question because people assume that you know, oh, you know, you do the tournament stuff, you must know. And uh, yeah, I know as much as you guys. Yeah, I think Rubes is going to jump in with something there. No, I was just saying, yeah, I would definitely be uh, chomping at the bit to get my hands on it once it comes. And yeah, as I say, no idea other than, yeah, we'll probably do it at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, a rub- I'm a rubbish insider. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Damn it, Marcus. We rely on you for our inside information. This is what we pay you bribes for. <laughs> we don't actually, folks. We kidnap the wrong employee. <laughs> God damn it. See, this is what happens when we send Tristan to kidnap an employee. He gets the wrong one. Great. Um, in terms of the future, Warlord, where are they headed in terms of not just Bolt Action, but other gaming systems? Because... By my count, there's a lot of uh, gaming systems that they're sort of juggling through at the moment, and I'm wondering, are we going to see any of those be sort of retired or semi-shelved for the moment so they can focus on the uh, bigger ones, or...? Well, obviously, yeah, as you say, we've got a lot of game systems that we deal with. We've got, you know, a lot of yeah, a lot of plates in the air. So it's not so much about shelving or retiring systems. Obviously, Doctor Who was a special case. Basically, you know, that was a licensing thing with the BBC. Um, however, you know, other games, smaller games, you know, Strontium Dog, for example, um, or, you know, Judge Dredd. It's not that we're, you know, stopping supporting them or stopping making stuff for them, but it does have to be a cycle. You know, for example, we've got loads more bolt action releases coming out, you know, in the near future. So they're going to get, it's going to look like, oh, it's all bolt action. And then it might look, oh, it's all, I don't know, Hail Caesar. Oh, it's all pike and shot. And it's just, mm. so it's, it's, it's cyclic. That's, that's all it is. And obviously the bigger games will get more, a bigger piece of that pie. That's just sort of how it is. But it's not a case of, oh, we're cutting this game to focus on that game. Um, and you know, obviously we saw we did it with Cruel Seas. Um, we have the luxury of having Skytrex as part of the Warlord family. Um, and we were able to move Cruel Seas to Skytrex so that it can be properly supported there because they've got the time and the capability to do it. So it's not very much not about retiring games or scrapping games to focus on other games. Yeah, I mean, just on. Sorry, Rubes. No, that's all right. Um, so just on that. So um, especially as you brought up Cruel Seas, and there's also Victory at Sea. I really liked the um, the recent release of the Combined Arms uh, board game, which can be obviously played as a board game, or um, yeah, or as a campaign manager. 
and this is more of a personal question for me um is there plans to do something like that for hail caesar and spqr because um that's a really that's a that's a really good question now obviously we've got the hail caesar um new hail caesar rulebook coming out um that was announced at the open day um i don't know whether there's anything campaigny in the back of that i honestly haven't had a chance to read through the manuscript i got to the late medieval bits and went yes and didn't really read much further um and then they sort of pried me away from it and told me to go and sit down and do some work um <laughs> but no um so you know it's entirely possible um that you know that is something we might see in the future especially if you know combined arms does well and there is that demand there is that interest in it yeah i'd, I'd for one to be certainly keen and especially if you um if warlord happened to uh, maybe develop um victory at sea or cruel seas into a, an ancient naval game and then you've got your uh, uh campaign system for uh, ancient fleets and armies and oh that, that yeah that being that be, that would be really cool and it's, it's again it's one of those where that's the kind of thing that might circulate through the company for a couple of years and then pop up but it's again it's just about balancing what people want to buy what's realistic for us to produce and making sure that you know our business needs and the needs of the gamers in the community are married up um, and again a lot of this is all above my pay grade but yeah I, I agree it would be definitely cool to have and it is a really shows the versatility of the combined arms system if people are already thinking like that <laughs> i mean rude is always thinking like that <laughs> You heard the man, <laughs> listeners, start campaigning. I want that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, we were working another monster in Rubes. That's all we need. Um, Sorry, mate. Already there. I'm painting SQR <laughs> models as we, as we do this. Good God, man. Don't you ever take a rest? Nope. Uh, that figures. One of the dedicated and one of the insane. <laughs> um, I think that just about covers it. Um, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, we'd love to no speak problem. to you again after CanCon. The support that yeah. you guys have done, that you've given us, and that is constantly being funneled to us via War and Peace is absolutely phenomenal. To anyone out there who's looking at potentially running an event, get in touch with Warlord Games get in touch with Marcus because the support they give you is off the charts. It's insane. Yeah. And thank you very much for having me guys. Yeah. More than happy to come on again and chat. Um, but yeah, it's just what I'm, one thing I wanted to say is to all the TOs out there, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, keep being awesome. Keep putting those unique events on because I just want, you know, TOs to know they've got our full confidence from warlord and my full confidence that the event they're putting on is the best event for their players. So, and any support they need, they can come to me and I'm more than happy to help with it. And that, that for me is the real strength of the competitive community is the diversity. It is that massive variety of the kind of events we've got. And I'm really happy that we've got a system in place that means I can support them all. You heard it here first, folks. You know exactly where to go if you need support for an event. Uh, Rubes, any closing remarks? 
No, just uh, thanks again, Marcus, for uh, coming on. It's always great when we get an opportunity to sort of peek a little bit behind the curtains. Um, I mean, a lot of us, I suppose, take for granted that, hey, these cool plastic and metal minis just pop out every month and um, for us to buy. But it's um, it's always great to see behind the scenes and how some of the processes are uh, from, uh, you know, from idea to our, our uh, tabletops um, while we game. It's um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me again, guys. Not a problem. Anytime. More than welcome to come back. Well, that's it from us, guys. Um, enjoy the rest of the episode, and we will see you on the next Bacon Burgers podcast. G'day, legends. We want to take a quick break to give a shout-out to our good mates at Kaiju Beer. Kaiju is an award-winning independent beer and cider brewery based in Melbourne. Founded in 2013 by brothers Nat and Callum Reeves, the duo set out to brew unashamedly intense craft beer and cider without compromising taste and quality. Looking to shake up the overly serious scene surrounding craft beer culture, you'll spot Kaiju on the shelves with bold, loud and unusual can designs. Check them out at, at Kaiju Beer on Instagram or spot them at a bottle shop or bar near you. And we are back. The Bacon Burgers return for the back half of the episode after pr- apologising profusely for Tristan's war crimes while in England. Um, to any English listeners, it's okay. The bad man is contained. No, he's coming back. Or he's or on his way back. You can fucking bet your bottom dollar I'll be back. In true Tope. British fashion, he's been uh, sent out to the colonies, to the mm-hmm. colony. <laughs> <laughs> We're Where still working on getting into Van Diemen's land. Um, but, Ross won't uh, have me. Yeah, there's some <laughs> resistance in uh, around Launceston, around Launceston and Devonport. But while I've been slaving away at terrain, Tristan, you hit Operation Bear. I did. So how did that go? Um, it was amazing. Uh, Two day event, uh, run by the uh, Melbourne's dream team of uh, I'm just going to call them Bree. Brad and Lee is Bree. Bree, Team Bree. Yeah. Uh, Brad and Lee ran Operation Bear. Uh, it was an incredible event. Two days, 1,056 uh, points. Um, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I'm having a peanut butter sandwich and it's gone down the wrong hole. 1,056 or 10,54? Um, oh, you know, I've got a long track record of fucking talking out my ass and getting shit wrong. So, fucking, I'm just going to go for 1,056. It's probably 10,54, but look, it, it's two points. Okay, either either. It's whatever. So... Um, yeah, I took I took the deck. Um, the deck list that I took was just a slight variation of what I took to the UK. Um, uh, essentially, mm. sorry, listeners, I'm just having a drink. I've got a little tickle in my throat. Um, because I have no time to paint anything at the moment, I had to take a list that I didn't have to put any work into. Now, initially, I wanted to take Schutzen and a Diana and all this other kind of stuff. I wasn't able to do that. Then I toyed with the idea of taking a British Airborne list, and then I just got really bored with that idea almost immediately. I thought, well, I've got all this stuff. Let's see what we can make happen. Now, this isn't strictly historical. Um, I've been running historically accurate lists for quite some time now. Um, This was not that. Um, And it comes down to the inclusion of four Panzerfausts in the list. Everything else was pretty on the money. But yeah, put four Panzerfaust. Uh, at the end of the day, I needed some AT, and I didn't have the points to actually buy like a dedicated AT asset. So uh, it was a regular, regular second lieutenant, 
two squads of four Shimiaga um, with three subbies, three rifles, and two Panzerfausts. Uh, two squads of veteran here infantry, just with rifles and a light machine gun. Now, the reason I took them at veteran is because I needed to soak up points. Those are normally my reg squads, but I had to take them at vet. And then a five-man pioneer squad, just with stubbies, flamethrower, and a single rifle as the loader. There was a sniper, medium mortar, and an ATR, all at reg. A triple two! Um, a Marta 1 Lorraine Schlepper, which is the forward-facing heavy howitzer. Ooh. And two trucks with medium machine guns. And that was it. That was the list. Oh, was very nice. Well rounded. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. I would have preferred... I listened to the Cast Ice episode and, you know, Lee was saying that, you know, normally he likes to run uh, eight-man squads. Uh, Lee, if you're listening, you and me both, brother. Um, I really wanted to have larger squads. Um, unfortunately, um, it was not to be. I just didn't have time to paint anything else. And uh, it was well, just six-man squads. Uh, they're very squishy. Uh, you take a medium mortar hit, and all of a sudden they start to disappear very quickly. Um, but yeah, it was a great event. Run at House of War. Um, you know, just very, very tight. Um, I have one small criticism, and I believe that it is a reasonably small criticism. Um, they ran more rulebook missions than Bolt Action Alliance missions, and I like Bolt Action Alliance missions more than I like rulebook missions. But that's my only. That's that's my only criticism, and I don't think it's really a, a very bad criticism. Um, yeah, just I think that Brad writes better missions. Well, not better missions. I can't say that's a bit of a rude thing to say to the original mission writers, but Brad's missions, I think, are more interesting. They're fresh and they're dynamic. Um, we did get supply drop, so I was fucking stoked about that because I love that mission. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, five games over two days um, at House of War. Uh, it was just a lot of fun to play, and um, you had a really, really good result in the end. So looking back, who would you say your hardest game was against? Pedro. Yeah? Yeah, Pedro, if you're listening, um, that was my hardest game, easily. Um, so what did, I, what did Pedro put against you? KB2. <laughs> I have fuck all, I have fuck all to deal with that. <laughs> um, KB2 going to do what a KB2 do, KB2 do. Yeah, indeed. So it was a really, really good game, um, and essentially, um, it was a, a very built-up sort of jungle table that Pedro and I played on. Uh, it just made it very, very sort of challenging to play. Uh, Pedro's a really good opponent. Um, I remember the very first event that I ever played at was um, Banff, which is Bolt Action Melbourne February, run by Brad, way back in the day. Um, Garrett took me to that. That was a good event. Um and Pedro is one of the people I played. I think I played Dave Munro and I got a win. And I thought, holy crap, I got a win. You know, I could I could do well here. And then I played Pedro and he just beat me. Um, killed my Hellcat with an ATR up the arse. And it was just Ooh. tragic. To, oh, it was tragic to watch. Unkind. Unkind. Yeah, very unkind. So, um, yeah, essentially, yeah, we played that. It was good. So I had... Um, I got uh, I got to bring a new guy in. There's a guy called Ian Harrison. He lives down my way. Um, he came and played... Um, he took a uh, took a German list, which was really really good. Um, he actually took. What did he take out? I think he took out my triple two, my martyr, and something else. Like he actually spanked me. He, I, I won the game, but geez, he actually gave me a he gave me a hiding. Um, he had a. I think it was a Panzer four that I just couldn't I couldn't do anything to. Um, I missed my Panzerfaust shots, uh, and then he yeah that was the only thing that he really had left by the end of the game. Um, but yeah, it was a good fun game. Uh, second game I played, 
shit. That's awful. Ah, it was a it was a young bloke. It was a gentleman who came, it was a, he had the double stew forty two list. Um, if you're listening, I'm very very sorry that I can't remember. I will never forget a face, but I'm shit with names. Yeah, it was a uh, two stug uh, two stugs two stew forty twos. Either either like really really good list. Um, he won the best theme, I think. Um, third game was Albert with his Italians. Uh, always a really amazing game when I play Albert. Um. And he he knows how to play those Italians. No small teams. There's no sort of you know um, you know trying to get Avanti Savoy to activate against Albert is very difficult. Um, he played me like an old fiddle. Uh, he had some stuff coming off from outflank, and he left that right till like at the end of turn five, and then came in behind some ambushes that I'd set. Uh, but luckily, I was able to pull a win out of that one. And then I played Pedro game four. And that was a win in the jungle. And then I played a uh, friend of the cast, Gordon Crossan. So, yeah, Gordon. Gordon's a wild dude. I, I really like Gordon. Um, so I played him in the uh, in a built-up city fight board against his Australians. So that was a, that was another really good game. But I went four games. Uh, sorry, I went four wins and a loss. Uh, four wins and a draw, sorry. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, no, I was I, I did well on the day. Um, I pulled a first place, which is uh, which was uh, pretty cool. I think it was Albert came second. I think he was only a, a couple of points behind me. He's always like just I'm either like a point or two behind him, or he's a couple of points behind me. So um, yeah, he's he's a really really good player. Yeah, I've um, crossed swords with Albert once up in hands, uh, and to be honest, I don't even think I was anywhere near in contention to win that game. No, he he's had me on the ropes from round one. Yeah, that's like yeah. He's he, you. You got to be on your game with Albert. I know that Garrett's played him a couple of times, and he he generally puts up a really good fight. Um. So yeah, um, I was also lucky enough that uh, Ben Llewellyn didn't come out to play, and I was able to pick up a best painted. Yeah, uh, nicely done. Thank you. Um. Yeah, it was nice to pick that up. Uh, ben Llewellyn has won best painted. I think at um, jump to action. And also um, uh, Conquest. So he won Best Painted at both of those events. And rightly so, the guy paints, um, his painting style is amazing. Um, yeah. It puts, all, puts us all to shame. But um, yeah, great event. Stuff that he puts out. Um, those Waffen SS that he did, mm. just amazing. Mm. Yeah, he's, um, he's, definitely the, he's definitely the Ducks Nuts. So, yeah, it was just a really tightly run event. Um, you know, genuine pleasure to rock up and just, you know, sort of throw dice for two days. The prize pool was amazing. It just, you know, tables were great. Everything was, it was just a, just a really good event. So, um, I think numbers were down a little bit. COVID kind of played a bit of a role in that. Um, also, running a two-day event, like, you know, not everyone can commit to two days. Mm. Um, it makes it a little bit difficult. But... Yeah, you know, I mean, the only complaint that I have was um, I would have preferred to play more of Brad's missions than rulebook missions, but like I said, that's yeah. not, really a, not really a complaint. It was good fun. I mean, that is one of the uh, the good things about the Australian scene. We have the mm. benefit of having the Bolt Action Alliance mm. based in Melbourne, and the yep. missions they write are fantastic. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Brad can write the shit out of a mission. He's written oh, some of my favourite missions, and... You know, um, I'm going to start looking further afield. I'll probably start looking at some of the Juggernaut missions um, going forward. Um, I think that we're going to run... Um, we want to run some additional VBAL events um, next year. So I believe that... I believe that our Conquest and Operation Bear will make a return next year. And um, we're going to run four VBAL events. 
So we've got... Um, we're going to run three of them, I think, at House of War, and then we're going to run an additional event, which we're going to maybe turn into like a once-a-year kind of thing. And we're looking at hopefully running that event at Kaiju Brewery. Oh, um, that's and We'll be calling that one the Kaiju Cup. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can get sort of, you know, maybe like a bit of an invitational system going and get some people down to Kaiju and, um, you know, open up some frosty cans and, uh, and play some play some games. Yeah, I'd love to host the the double. You're not hosting. You're not. You're not, yes, not hosting. You're not yes, running. Any, no, you're not running that event. I, I run a perfect event. No, no, half talk. I do. You it's don't. Amazing. You don't. I ended up having to run that event. It was shit. You didn't. Bullshit. <laughs> I had it all under control. Under control. You were nearly. You were nearly paralytic. Yeah, you weren't even allowed to look, have all those beers. Look, I couldn't see straight. Granted. No. Right. <laughs> Did everyone have a good time? Yes. So. Yeah, because I was there, like no. cleaning up. It was shit. I hear it. That's not what I remember. You don't remember anything. You were drunk. <laughs> I, I patched it together from uh, second-hand reports. It's <laughs> great. Um, I knew you were going to jump in on those. Like, oh, I'm going to run that. I'm like, no, you fucking, you are not. Sure am. Uh, you can, you can run I it, but I'll make it down for the Kaiju Cup then. I think uh, the Kaiju Cup, we, been, I think we'll, we'll try and do that once a year. It's been too long since the uh, Fifth Mountain Division saw the tabletop, so... Yep. They're gonna Especially play. down in Melbourne. Especially down in Melbourne. They've never seen the tabletop in Melbourne. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, so... Mm. It's been it's been like way too long since you came down here for an event, though. Yeah, well, there have been uh, certain changes in the global landscape that have prevented me from doing so. I'm pretty sure there's a joke in there that's off color that I don't want to make, but um, I'm just gonna I'm leave go- it all. I'm gonna run the Kaiju Cup like Gunio Cup. Uh, have you ever played Gunio Cup before? No. Gunio Cup is Mario Kart with a sack of goon, and. If you come first, no punishment. And then every position you like, a person comes after that is how many seconds of goon you get a skull. So if you finish oh. your game first at bolt action, you're sweet. Second, you got to keep drinking until, <laughs> until <laughs> for the amount of minutes that you placed. Yeah, it's going to be great. So the worse, the longer your games take, the more drunk you get. It's going to be great. You get. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, you know, coming from, uh, having said, I see why you've done this because you'd be like, oh, I'm going to rock up and bring a 21 dice French list, and you never finish any of your games. Hey. <laughs> speaking of speaking of um, speaking of big dice numbers, Harry, what do you reckon the average dice number is for the list that we've seen so far? What we're seeing is. It's, I know that we're, I know I know we're backtracking a little bit on a cancom. Just yeah. bringing up the dice thing. I just thought it was an interesting dynamic that we're seeing as at twelve fifty points. Goes, look, I think with the changes we've made, because people have a free between eighty to one hundred points to spend in their list, we're seeing dice counts that are going from about. I think the lowest I've seen is twelve. Twelve, yeah, same. The most I've seen is twenty five. Yep. Whoa. <laughs> And that was, yeah, that was a... Uh, no names. Yeah, that list was... I will say it was a Chinese list. Um, yeah, capable player. Oh, definitely capable. And... Mm. If he's listening and you know who you are, list, you're a wild yeah. man. You are a wild, wild man. The problem... The danger I see with the high dice counts is... I completely sidestep Tristan's answer, by the way. I think the average is around the 16, 17 dice That's, I was going to say the same thing. It's about 16.5. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting. I mean, 16 dice lists. I've managed to kick a Panther list up to 15 dice. Uh, yeah. 1250 points. It's not impossible, but 
I find that once you start getting into the higher echelons of the dice count, you're diluting things. Well, we you saw lose. one the other. We, we saw one the other day. I think that was it was up over twenty, but all the infantry were shirkers. I was yeah. just like, "That's nuts! I'm just bonkers! It's a, like, it's a rubber stamp pass! I can't I wait to see it!" it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I think we're probably seeing a lot of high dice count lists from players that haven't run those type of lists before. Indeed. Or this is the first time where they've been they've had a, an environment where they can actually submit a list like that that has you know X amount of additional dice. Agreed. I would say to players out there who are considering the higher dice counts, don't be too eager to sacrifice durability for flexibility. I'll also say to... isn't sorry. always there. Yeah. I would also remind people that you are expected to finish your games. If you want to... The only reason we allowed a 25 dice list is because I know full well that player is going to be able to push those models around and finish his games. Mm. Now, you need to be able to finish your games. And There's what happens no if you don't? Well, I don't know. I'm, I, we're, we're trying to sort of come up with some sort of system where we can start. Well, not I penalize is a hard word, but I mean, we might actually have to be the word. And I'm not That's it. Get him to drink. That's the way. Um, yeah, yeah Garrett, that, that's a. Uh, it's great. This goes for you as well, Garrett. Yeah, yeah, but then the problem is we get a twelve-year-old with a thirty-count dice list who goes, "I haven't finished my game," and we're all standing there going. Um, has anyone got Dr. Pepper on tap? That's it. Just yeah. float, float him out with water. <laughs> Great. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. We're, um, we're, we're, we are seeing... Um, the two big things that we're seeing is we're seeing high dice and we're also seeing medium machine guns. But yeah, anyway, um, we're, we're on a tangent oddly again. Enough, Not at all. Please, keep going, Harry. Keep going. Oddly enough, despite the, uh, despite the changes we've made, we're seeing relatively few... Half tracks and armored carriers. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I'm, a, I'm I am a little seen, bit disappointed. I've seen two transport carriers and one recce carrier. Yeah, like brain carriers. I, I thought I'd see more half tracks. I thought I'd we see did um, get a drop list in as we were recording. Yeah, um, that had a two five one ten in it. Yep. But that's I think that's the first half track I've seen that's made an appearance. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those um, things. I think, yeah. I, mm. Look, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping against hope that in the next couple of days, I see my uh, mythical double buffalo list come through. <laughs> the nesting doll one. You've got a, like a flamer team in a Bren carrier. The Bren carriers in the buffalo. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's great. Yeah, it's got. Um, well, I mean, uh, when I play Gordon Crossan at uh, Bear. Uh, he had two, um, I think he had two buffaloes. Um, I did feel very, very bad because he bought them up. Um, I had a, I had a Fulci Mega squad in a building. I ran them in there at like last dice of the turn. I ran them into the building. And then on the other side of this building, both the buffaloes were like there side by side. Um, first I out of the bag's mine. I run my, I run my Fulci Mega squad up. Split fire with my Panzerfausts and target both of the, uh, um, yeah, both of the buffaloes, both of them hit, and both of them disappear with all the squads inside. I think I took out four. I took four order dice off of him with yeah two Panzerfausts with one activation. Ernie, I've never never done that before. I've, that's yeah, I've never taken that many. They are big targets, so they do stand. They out. are huge. Yeah, there was there was like no cover, and I was within three inches, so I was hitting on threes just for movement. 
Yeah. And yeah, scored both of them scored hits. And um if I hadn't scored hits, it would have been a fucking nightmare. It really would have. Like it was it was a real sort of this will either work or I will lose. That's just the way it's gonna go. Yeah. So um luckily I luckily I got the hits and that was interesting. But um yeah, I mean playing against Gordon. Gordon's becoming a really good player now. Um wacky sense of humor. I love hanging out with Gordon. I actually he's now a, um an apprentice plumber at my work. Um so you know, just uh, just a really good all-round dude and a good addition to the Melbourne scene. Hey, Harry, so, sorry, going back to CanCon there for a sec. Are you seeing a few of those max squads as well? Quite a lot of full-strength squads. Um, again, that incentive of the free LMG, people are capitalising on that. So yep. routinely I'm getting lists that are... They come in at about 13, 30 points, and that's to account for the additional LMGs. LMGs. Yep. If they come in at twelve fifty with full strength squads, yep. usually in the blurb attached to the email, people are saying, "Hey, just so you know, the full strength squads qualify for the free LMG." Yep. And yeah, you know, it's good to see people thinking a little bit outside of what they normally would. It's like, buy the buy-in rules. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like personally, I'm on the same page as Tristan when it comes to squads. Eight veterans. Yeah, I do like the uh, eight-man veteran squads. Yeah, for the buy-in of the free LMG. Yeah. I'll drop another 26 points on a squad. Mm, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're going to get the extra warm bodies, which is always good. And then also you get this lovely free bonus. It's like, oh, i got a free light machine gun. Um, so, yeah, we have been looking at uh, yeah, everyone's list is um, not under scrutiny. I mean, like I said, 95% of the lists we've had come through so far have been rubber stamped. But I've, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking that a lot of lists are taking the medium machine gun because all of a sudden they're worth taking. Yeah, they're still sniper bait. Like somebody took a veteran medium machine gun. And I'm like, wow. that is a, oh, 100%. I'm like, <laughs> that is a person who has thought about his list. I'm like, bravo to you, sir, if you're listening. Um, I love it because even though like, you know, like you could have five pins on you, you're still going to throw a pin out. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I mean, you got to pass your leadership check or whatever, but, um, you know, even if you've got three or four pins on you and you're just difficult to hit, you're going to throw out that automatic suppression pin. So, you know, it's it's just everyone's kind of really thinking outside the box, and that's exactly what we were trying to encourage. Um, like Harry said, we still haven't really seen the armored carriers, which is a little bit disappointing, but I understand why. It's not, they're not an optimized choice. Well, regarding um, that vet MMG, I thought people would maybe go the other way and go the inexperienced just to see those three pins. We've seen that as well, but then mm. also it makes them very easy to kill. Sure. Yeah. With snipers, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Right, yeah. Like, again, it's that trade-off of flexibility versus durability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to my mind, personally, I come down on the side of durability. It, that probably comes out of building my, te- my lists around heavy slabs of metal so if i'm taking support choices i need to know that they can take a hit for at least a couple of turns and still hang around Mm. whereas you know someone who's more used to playing early war might go well 35 points inexperienced mmg team why not it doesn't really cost me anything i've got to be honest i was expecting an american player to submit a list with three mmgs and i haven't seen that yet so there's it's you can take, I think, I'm pretty sure you can take in a regular reinforced platoon in America, in America, in America, an American yeah. American, yeah, you can take three of them. I thought because it was always it was a, it was a it was an in joke. It was a constant joke in the bolt action community. It's like Haha, the Americans can take three medium machine guns <laughs> as if you fucking would. And yes, all of a sudden, uh, what would be fun to do actually is the um, Bastogne engineers list with the dug in MMGs. Ooh. 
Tasty. Mm. So they they start hidden and in hardcover, and that just yeah. comes as part of the uh, the cost of the unit. So if they're how suddenly actually, how many can you take? Yeah. How, how many of those squads can you take in a three? In a, I th- yeah, yeah, so that's nice. Uh, yeah. Nobody's taken advantage of that yet. So um, I'm, I'm I'm waiting. I think I we will eventually see that list, you know, sort of come through, and we'll go. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But, I'm just you know, going for the back t- over the list mentally. I don't actually think we've seen a single American list come through. That's what you might. Jesus, you might be right. It's I hard said, because we've seen so many. No, we haven't. We've seen Germans. We've seen British. We've seen Soviets. We've seen Chinese. Yes. We have seen a Hungarian. Uh, it was a pocket defenders. Yeah. The Budapest one. Yeah. But we British. have not seen, seen some a British. single American list come through. Seeing a lot of British. Um, mm. There's been a bit of chat in regards to the Naval Observer. Um, yeah. I think that we're coming down on basically saying, just don't. If you want to pay yeah. full price for it, if you want to put like, but we're not we're not allowing the free upgrade. Yeah, we're basically right. saying, if you go, if you want to go and pay the 150 points for it, yeah, all right, okay, I'll see what's in the rest of the list and we'll talk. But um, if you want to upgrade your free one, it's probably not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Uh, for what it does, it's just, it's a bit like, nah, we're not doing that. Um, I understand that, you know, we have been spruiking this as being like, you know, a, com- like a, a good, hard, competitive event that we want everyone to come along and put their best foot forward, but we still have to operate within the, you know, the, the, the Aussie meta. So, you know, we, we, we have rules, which is fine. Yeah. Garrett, you were going to say something? Yeah, it's funny that Sneaky brought up that um, armoured list because Gorchin did as well when you had a chat to him on the HMG podcast. Because um, else, what else is in that list as options, JL? Um, if I remember correctly, and you know the odds of that are slim to none, but um, I think it's veteran powers. Uh, you can take the engineers who have who have uh, dug the MMGs into the uh, into the nests. Um, I think it's the inexperienced um, American Army squad as well, which is like the um, you know communications clerks and cooks and. Yeah, anyone who can who can grab a gun, um, which I think is green, uh, which you know, like, nice. I can go either way. Um, uh, but yeah, your your kind of core of it is is veteran paras. Um, Nothing wrong with veteran paratroopers. No, that's really themey. And I've run an all inexperienced American list too. You get six guys with a bar, man. You can hit stuff with that move and shoot rule. I think that's a really cool list. Yeah. It's um the Americans. The, in my opinion, the Americans will uh, do inexperienced better than anybody else. Um, I think Brad took a took a list of one of his events uh, a while ago, which I mean, like years and years and years before COVID, which was inexperienced Americans. And yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things because you don't pay that moving and shooting penalty. Um, they just do it better than a lot of people. They don't do horde better than anyone else, but they definitely do. Um, you know, just that. Um, the standard army, yeah, you know, sort of eight, eight to ten man loadout. You know, get a a, lo- a a long range bar in there, and all of a sudden they become very, very tasty. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, it's funny we've actually sort of come back around. We sort of left talking about bear. We come back around to CanCon, but it's just it is interesting, um, sort of looking at the list crunch of you know what we're seeing come in, and post CanCon, Hari and I will actually be um, compiling all the data. And looking at, you know, out of how many lists, this is how many people took snipers, mortars, armored cars, you know, this, that, and the other. We'll actually drill down into it 
One thing I will say we have seen a lot of, and I don't know where this shift has come from. Or this is No, I don't <laughs> even know whether this is a meta shift. I just find it a little bit interesting and a very lot confusing. Okay. Veteran Panzer Shrek teams. What? What? I don't know where this has come from, but how many of these have we is seen? That in the, is that in the? Is that are they Panzer Shrek teams or are they the Panzer Destroyer? No, Destroyer. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's right. Points veteran, and I've seen at we'd... least eight of them. Eight? I thought I only seen one. It shows how much no, attention I'm at paying. At least eight this come through that have had veteran Panzer Shreks, and I'm. I'm very, but then, very no, this is it. I'm not getting that bar. No, 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 that's it. They're hard to bump off. That's not yeah, sniper bait. Like, true. that's everyone's kind of looking at it. I love the fact that everyone's looking at it differently. Like, I mean, that's like I've I'd never spend 104 points on two guys with, with a single mm. with a single shot. That's just, I mean, that's like that's armored car points. I can take a triple yeah. two for those kind of points. Like, well, <laughs> you can take a triple two would change for that. Yeah, 100%. But, but you know, yeah. I think, you know, with the additional points that we've freed up, we're seeing people think differently. They're looking at lo- at units in a different perspective. Yeah, would. Because previously it was always, well, I have to sacrifice X to get Y, whereas now it's, well, I can actually take that AT asset at veteran so that it is more survivable. Yeah, mm, why wouldn't I? Cool. We yeah. may even see yeah. a veteran bazooka team at some point and- <laughs> Veteran PR team. Veteran PR team. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, right, we're giving this... a first person to take a veteran PR team. No, don't say that because then someone will just Garrett yeah, will do true. it just for just for a piss take. I want to take um, a Goliath team veteran. Oh, now you're talking my language. Hey, if they hit a building, if the, the Goliath hits a building, is that is that a heavy howitzer? Oh, I think That's... it is, isn't it? Maybe. Uh... I remember you you fucking used one to blow up a fucking tank of mine once, and I was just like, "Haha, that'll never work," and then it worked. It was awful. <laughs> The only okay, time it's ever happened. You it would never work, or just because you thought it would never work? I just didn't think it would work. He'd he run it at me a couple of times, like, right, I'm going to shoot my Goliath at your tank. I'm like, yeah, go for it, dickhead. And fucking <laughs> blew the turret right off it. <laughs> shit out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck you, Gary, you fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, if a Goliath hits a building, it's the equivalent of a heavy howitzer. There you go. But I think, don't you need, like, you need a six or something, don't you? Five, Five and six. Yeah. Five and six. Yeah, that's rough. All right. So, um, speaking of speaking of weird units, um, not that weird. That's a terrible segue. Uh, it was a terrible segue. Uh, speaking of speaking of units that we enjoy using to great effect, how's that better? <laughs> because the Goliath is so effective. Again, terrible segue. And now for something completely different. There you go. There that's, go. that's all I've got. That's all I've got. <laughs> so we're going to do a new uh, segment, and um, I think Hari coined the phrase for this one. Hari, you want to introduce this one? Did I? You put it up in the chat, not me. Uh, right. Um, you put uh, it there in bloody brackets, like, you know, new segment. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's named it and all. This is great. Oh, this is great radio. This is. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'll bail him out. Um, yeah. This is yeah. called Unit Spotlight, which is a, a new segment. Yeah. And we're talking about snipers and how to use them. Hurry. How do you use your sniper, my friend? Uh, very poorly, because I put a sniper down and my dice say, congratulations, you've deployed a unit. Now, you're not going to hit anything for six turns. <laughs> you're going to hit something, but you're not going to convert. No, this is it. It's, snipers are one of those things. I had great times with my finished sniper. 
Because See, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop you right here. For the purposes of this conversation, we're not going to... Because, I mean, it's very easy to say what's the best sniper yeah. is the finished sniper. Like, like that, that is the best sniper. I don't care who you are. Like, you know, any other answer is wrong. Um, it is the finished sniper. The finished sniper mm. is the best sniper that you can get in the game. Barring some weird fucking model like, you know, the White Death or some shit, who is yeah. still a finished sniper. But, sorry. Um, realistically... Snipers have been most effective for me back in the days of V1. Yep. And my opponents would step very widely around a sniper. Yeah. These days, I don't know, not so much, but certainly for me, I've become a lot more cautious with them. Yeah. I don't deploy them forward as far as I normally would when I first started bolt action. These days, if it's outside of a 18-inch bubble from my back line, that's a rarity. Uh, and again, it's only because there's a, you know, a decent terrain piece. Yeah, that'd be like or, a hill it, or a bell are tower. You, are you ex looking at that from the point of view of um, the armies that you're fighting against have changed or just your approach to using it has changed? I think my approach to using it has changed because quite often I would take them at veteran because mm. my theory was, well, they're probably going to get hit and if I make them more difficult to kill, there's a better chance yeah. to stick around. What I was finding was that it was fairly academic because someone would lob a HE shell at them. Mm -hmm. And if you've been able to deploy them, you know, forward deploy, stick them on the midline, well, there's a better than average chance they end up dead. Yeah. So what I would find is I'd be starting turn two with a 65-point hole in my list. Yes. In or, or, even, or, or even worse, yeah. if you've got prep bombardment, you can start turn one with yeah. a 65. Yeah, it's, it's bad news. It can so be very, now, very tough. Now my approach is if I'm playing a list with a prep bombardment, they forward deploy between 13 to 17 inches. I'll stick them outside my deployment zone, but I'm not going to stick them on the midline. It's just yeah. too much of a risk. I agree. The one thing I think a lot of people overlook with prep bombardment is it only hits your deployment zone. So it's only that 12-inch bubble. What? What? No, what the fuck? Yeah. Hang on. Fucking from? just pump the brakes right there because, I mean, that's a game changer for me. He's enough to get his book. All right. So, Garrett, you were the one who taught me how to use snipers. Oh, our, oh, oh here we go. He's back. Sorry. with a rule book. Now. Again, great page, radio. Page 131. Prep bombardment, bottom right. Yeah, I come prepared, man. I do my you fucking homework. You do. Really, I wasn't expecting to go this far. I haven't got my rule book in front of me. Right, if we're talking crunch, you got to bring it. It's true. We're not some fucking motley crew here. Come on. Well, we have been traditionally. Yeah, we're trying to be the, better. Uh, the relevant sentence is the second line of the second paragraph. To see how effective the bombardment is, roll a die for each unit in the enemy setup zone at the start oh, of the game and consult the sharp alarm. Mind blown. I put onto that one by Aaron Russell. Aaron Russell, if you're listening, back. I love you. Yeah. Beautiful. So I, so, so I come to the Bacon Burgers podcast. Yep. Yeah. You come here for quality content. So, see, that well, since when? I had, well, it's in the V2 rule book. I haven't um, cross-checked against the V1. Wow. But ever since I read that, it's now 13 inches minimum forward deployment. And yeah, no more than seventeen inches, and your Beautiful. spotters as well. Jesus, yep, yep. it's very nice. All deployed, and that goes for scout squads. Yep, sure. squads. Yeah, if it's forward deploying, 
13 inches is your minimum. That's great. That's great. You can get my fucking head around that. That's amazing. Yep. All right. So, I mean, if you're going to take anything away from this conversation, dear listener, is that if you are playing something like Sectors, which does have prep bombardment, um, get your spotters and anything forward deploying out of the um, out of your deployment zone, and you will not be taking a prep bombardment. Uh, you know, if you happen to roll that, uh, or if your opponent rolls a, a, a throw, was it a two up, three up, whatever it is. Uh, I really it's a two up. But yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we really should know this. We're running these missions. Yeah. Like. That's brilliant. So, um, yeah, thanks for letting us know that. That's excellent. I did not know that. That's mm. bloody incredible. Hey, let's continue on that track with the whole when and how do you deploy your sniper, especially if you're attacker-defender. Defender sets up spotters first. Yeah. If you're in that situation, what are you doing? I'm looking for situations where my opponent is going to put down... I want them to put all their shit down before I put my sniper down because I want my sniper able to reach, say, a spotter or two spotters and be out of reach of his sniper. Because traditionally mm. what happens is, you know, I pull the first dice, all right, my sniper's going to shoot your sniper, needing a three. It's a miss. Yeah. And then I he shoots me and kills him. That's a great strategy. But as a defender, you must set yours up first. All of your forward deployers are set up first. Yeah, so, so you hold it back in reserve. What do you do? No, I want I want my sniper on from the because I either want to put him in ambush. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm basically, gonna be in a situation. Basically, Go your on, sniper Rick. is gonna have at most six shots. Yes. Game. So you possibly seven, maxim- possibly possibly uh, seven, yeah, possibly. So you want to maximise your use and your yes for points. Um, so personally, if I'm using a sniper, I will put it on from the get go. I will generally try to put it in cover where he's got a fairly limited line of fire. Yeah. But it's likely to control part of the board where I'm expecting things like um, mortars or. Um, MMGs or officers to be or spotters to be yep. um, and then I have a hierarchy of uh, threat levels so you know your spotters um, your mortars um, are up high um, MMGs under standard rules next and then officers after that um, and then I'll start going for LMGs um, and NCOs sort of in that plane throwers Panzerfaust yeah yep so you, you, you go by a, a bit of a threat rating and of course everyone does play with a slightly own their own threat rating levels mm. uh, but I'm certainly going to go for what I can foresee uh, well the, the flamethrower the, the flamethrower would have to be on top of that list well it depends it depends on how it's deployed um, if it's not in a transport um, if it's just going to foot slog it across the table I know I've got two three turns before it's going to get Nah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it immediately because I want to take that dice away from them. Mm. Well, on that on that subject, can I offer another um, perspective about how to use the the sniper? Which is, um, it's not a ga- much much like the big gun on a tank. You know, it's not a game winning thing. It only fires six turns, um, and mostly it's it's a one shot. Um, sort of thing but i i tend to look at it as a way to uh get rid of dice superiority on your opponent particularly if they're running a horde army they'll tend to be buffing that out uh that uh dice count by having lots of little two tasty little two-man regular or inexperienced at rifles um yeah. chaff units but the, if, if you can start 
picking them off and they're easy to kill um suddenly their 15 dice to your 10 goes goes down quite a lot and if you can do that in the early game um concentrate on that because as ruben says there's going to be two turns before the uh, unless they're mecha fully mechanized before the the business end starts to happen That's the true. more that you can do to to wipe out um uh list filler units that are just cheap dice so your horse drawn limbers your um Always with the animals, sneaky. Always yeah. The uh, what is it with me and animal cruelty? I'm lovely to animals. <laughs> they love me. Uh, anyway. um, I, I, I agree with you. I think for the first two turns, generally, so, I mean, from my point of view, my sniper is I'm always looking for the terrain piece that's going to offer him, like, a hard cover penalty because, therefore, he's at neg three to hit. Like, you want him in a situation where he's like, all right, small team, hard cover. And then if you put a range and a movement penalty in that, it's sixes on sixes, and that's fine. You know, I mean, you may you may be able to roll your way through that, but chances are he's going to be okay. Um, I want to keep him at a point where I'm like, all right, can I take out some spotters? So therefore, I can't be ranged in on. But as of turn three or four, I'm then starting to turn him to look at, right, what's coming down the board at me? Am I going to be able just to keep you at, um, at, at a distance? Where's your flamethrower at? You know, where is, uh, you know, like, where are your ATRs at? Light mortars, you know, that sort of stuff. That's that's his bread and butter. Um, having said that, you know, snipers are great because, you know, um, sometimes they're absolutely brilliant. Um, they'll do exactly what you ask them to do. Uh, and other times they won't do that. And that's most of the time for me. Um, yeah. I spent f five turns against Gordon shooting a regular... Uh, twenty-five pounder spotter, and um, yeah, failed to kill him. Twenty um, five, five turns in a row, needing a four, hit every yeah. single time. Yep, needing a three. There's the hit. Couldn't kill him. Yeah, it was just dragging as hell. Yeah, it was. It was just like for Christ's sake. It comes down to the luck of the dice too, I suppose. Yeah, that's hundred percent. Hundred percent it is. I've I've had pretty good luck with snipers. I mean, the last game Hari and I had very first dice pull, very first game uh, shot of the game. Uh, my Japanese lone sniper uh, plugged his artillery observer straight off the bat. Uh, yeah, that's that's that. that's yeah. the main yeah. shot. That is that's that's and just like, even though that one, unit costs that's a three pointer either. absolutely nothing. That sniper earned its cost back in spades. Oh, yeah. absolutely! No, no. Anybody, anybody who says, "Oh, well, you know, I didn't pay for it, so I don't really care," they care. Everyone cares. Yeah. If you're a British player and you lose that artillery observer to a sniper in the first, you yeah, you care. You give a shit. I you're like, that, ah, for it, sake. I did the same the thing. I, I don't believe it survived the battle. The lone sniper, yeah, taken out a turn or two later by mortars or something, but that was, you know, that's usually, like I said, with my uh, hierarchy of threat. There's a there's one of the major threats. Bang, mm. gone. Yeah, I agree completely. That's yeah. Artillery observers in the first round. If you can catch your artillery, catch the artillery observer before he deploys his load. Um, gravy. That should be yeah. your first point of like, where is he? Can I reach him? Is he in range? Can I see him? Right, let's dump a load on him. Because Man, as soon as he dumps his load, just, yeah, it's this is getting really kind of Freudian here with the, <laughs> the dumping of the gravy load. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want i want to be very clear I was in, yeah i was in no way shape or form trying to advocate of the dumping of the gravy load on the uh, tubes ever but yeah sneaky you seem to anyway i'm moving on um 
So, yeah, I think... I'd, we'll, I'd be taking that artillery observer out, before, even if the enemy had another sniper team. Oh, because, absolutely. yes, yeah. counter-sniping is probably high on that priority list because that sniper's going to take you out because it's not suffering those penalties. But for me, especially with a high order dice list, yep. um, I need to take out that artillery observer. Absolutely. That's one. Uh, 100%. Could not agree more. And it's just like, yep, that's, that's my first... The, you know, you play those British lists... You know that's going to be in there, and you think, right, I mean, even if he doesn't do damage, it's going to be a pin factory. Everything's getting at least two or three pins, and I'm going to struggle to get out of that. You know, I might even lose a unit or two, um, you know, if my opponent rolls hot. So, yeah, there is the, um, there's a list of uh, um, targets of opportunity or, you know, just a, a threat assessment. Um, but most of the time, yeah, the artillery observer is pretty high on that. Things like flamethrowers as well. Um yeah, um, I mean, and also, if you do happen to... Sorry, Rubes, I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish in a second. If you do happen to score a hit on a unit, <clears throat> don't get so don't get so focused on killing things. Snipers are what we like. The, they're an easy pin. Like, the, the Finnish sniper in ambush is the easiest, probably the easiest pin in the game you can get. Um, a Finnish sniper in ambush, as long as you're out past 12 and you, you, know, you pull that ambush and you get the hit, you're hitting on a two. It's amazing. Like, that's... That's, you know, better chances than not that you're going to put a pin down. Um, but, yeah, don't get so stressed out with, you know, like some people say, don't shoot veterans. You don't kill vets with small arms. I mean, that's that's something that, you know, when Garrett and I play, you know, we're, you know, we're pretty fond of saying that. You know, that old Homer Simpson gag, they're like, you don't, oh, you don't kill vets with small arms. You don't kill vets with small arms. Um, yeah, you don't kill vets with small arms. It is difficult. Occasionally, you'll get one and go, oh, brilliant. But most of the time, you're just looking for that pin. You're looking to slow your opponent down. That's how I. That's how I get utility out of my snipers. Mm. I mean, most of my lists are built around a tiger or a panther, and a sniper is always a staple in those lists. Yeah. So, going into that, when I'm going through threat assessment, artillery observers, air observers, they're top of the rank. Yeah. The next one, I'm probably looking at artillery. Knocking out spotters, denying them that line of sight. Yeah. Then I'd probably drop down to, I'm going to say officers, because denying yeah, 100%. that snap to action flexibility. Well, not even that. If you're playing in an event, chances are slotting your opponent's officer is going to get you a victory point. Mm, true. So play play to the, and that's something that, I mean, anyone coming to CanCon should be aware that, um, 15 points for a win, 10 points for a draw, 5 points for a loss. And then there's, uh, there'll be like, you know, the five um, victory conditions. So, um, yeah, keeping your officer alive, slotting your enemy's officer, keeping your most expensive unit alive, killing your enemy's most expensive unit, and then also having a um, infantry or artillery unit in each corner of the board at the end of the game. Mm. So that you know, like play to the play to your victory conditions. I mean, not it's not the same as you know when you're playing just in the garage with your mates. Yeah, but yeah, that's definitely a piece of advice for you know if you're running if you if you if you're in a, an event and that's part of the scoring system, then yeah, like officers are a really good um a really good target. Mm. And once you take that flexibility away from your opponent, you're also in a better position to maneuver freely on the board. I agree. Um, that's not to say that you have a complete run of the mill but the other thing i'd be chasing down would be anti-tank assets particularly those small two-man teams yeah because once they start throwing pins out 
you will find it increasingly more difficult to get that tank moving. And when you've invested in something like a Panther or a Comet or Churchill. even a T-34, it hurts. I mean, let's let's say it. It's any tank. It doesn't matter yeah. what kind of tank it is. If you if you if you've had your tank gummed up, I mean, the only tanks that I wouldn't really give a crap would be like, you know, those little French FT seventeens. They're just it's like, eh, it's fine, whatever. You do that. But yeah, if you're spending hundred plus points on something and you want it up the board doing the business, yeah, anything that slows that down is then becomes a, a target of opportunity. So yeah, I I think that's that's generally. Um, Insofar as like you know snipers, yeah, you're looking for you're looking for those good opportunities. You're looking for board denial. You want your opponent your opponent to be thinking about you know where your sniper is, what it can see, you know. Um, but then also you've got to be careful because if you forward deploy it too far at the board, you can leave it you know unsupported. And you know people like um, uh, Pete from the Juggernaut to tell you this. You know it's the same thing as when you have something like Rangers. And you get that Ranger run at the start of the game. It's like oh brilliant, I can get up on the halfway point. Yeah, but then you're up on the halfway point with no support and everything's, mm. like, running behind you. So, same with a sniper. If you leave it too far out there, they can become very, very easy targets for, you know, people to pick off. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, going back to the Rangers, you know, Rangers lead the way, but they only really need to lead the way until they're, you know, 14 inches away from their board edge. Yeah, and that's they can right. sit and chill for a couple of turns. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, even if you've got an artillery piece that you need to keep relatively protected. A sniper is a fantastic no-go zone enforcer mm. because you would be surprised how many players are reluctant to walk into an area where a sniper has a clear line of sight. Yeah, I agree. And it certainly kept a Neville Werfer alive for many a turn for me. Mm. Uh, I believe it kept it alive against Rob Deacon. Mm. And he didn't want to push any infantry up to me. And as a result, my Neville Werfer had a very nice time just dropping rounds on things. Area denial. It's a psychological advantage. And if you can take two snipers in a list, you can actually set up um, really nice interlocking fields of fire, which is which is really cool. But the, the, it's interesting that the psychology of that area denial, because, um, I mean, we were talking about the efficiency of um, full-strength veteran units just yep. before, right? Um yeah, sure. I'll walk walk a ten man veteran squad in front of a sniper. He might hit. He might kill one guy. There's a pretty good chance that he won't. Um, he'll put one pin on it, and the odds are that they'll shrug that off and run right out of line of sight next time. So I'm I'm not phased by it. You you have to expose yourself to a certain amount of fire to move around the That's, yeah the everyone anyway. accepts that everyone accepts that but i mean there's always those there's those situations as well you think oh that's fine i can survive this and the next thing you know it's like i've just lost my officer i'm a neg two to get going oh shit mm -hmm. like that's that did not go the way that i wanted it to or i've just lost my light machine gun i've just lost my medium machine gun i've just lost you know my panzer shrek panzer faust you know whatever the hell was in that like you can you got to be careful because you know if you if your opponent does roll that you know that cheeky five or six, all of a sudden you can start you losing things that are then really important to you as opposed to mm. I can live without that you know oh you took out my ATR <laughs> good for you bud all good you know as opposed to well they just got rid of something that's my my one hundred and four veteran Panzer Trek team uh, that'd be that'd be a kick in the dick if I'm honest yeah, that's that's, that's a that's hard. a yeah it it would that's like I mean, losing that's like losing an armored car that's like that's not coming back. I think this come this also feeds into how you go about building a list because 
when I look through lists and say, for example, a German list where you have access to multiple Panzerfausts yep. and I see, you know, four or five infantry squads, but with a single Panzerfaust each, my question there is, okay, why not free up another 25 points and put another Panzerfaust in each of those squads? Mm. Because the second the sniper takes out that Panzerfaust, that squad is now useless against armor. Yeah. It has no contingency if it is faced with an armored threat. Mm. Yeah. Whereas a squad that has two, you will always have that contingency on hand. Yes, mm. the sniper might reduce that contingency, but it's going to take it two turns to do it. Yeah. And two turns that it spends shooting out Panzerfaust is two turns that it's not shooting at officers, observers, Agreed. spotters, artillery Agreed. pieces. Yep. You know, ad infinitum. I'm still, I'm still shocked that you know you don't take prep bombardment if you're outside of the deployment zone. Oh, that still yeah, rocked really my world. That's great. Be. Really, yeah, that's great. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah. What, what else can I get out of that deployment zone? <laughs> can I get my entire army to forward deploy? That'd be if nice. If you're Australians, you can. You could just oh. about do it if you had um, Chinese a, a, a list yeah. where Chinese. you know you had it. Obvious scouts. Uh, yes, I mean, in so many missions, you you have to come onto the board anyway. So if you can get fifty percent of your units to forward deploy, you yeah. would just about ignore that. No one's going to get fifty percent, but um, the principle applies. Have you met me? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll fucking, I'll do it. I don't know. A Chinese list could do it. You double platoon it. Take yeah. ten guerrilla cell squads. Take. Five of them as eight-man squads, take the other five as three-man units, or deploy them all. You could probably do it. Mm. And then just watch your brewer opponent, like, cry into his dice bag when you go, yeah, by the way, prep my barbant, doesn't phase me. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's a, that's a complete game-changer for me. I'm so glad you brought that up, because it's like, holy shit, that's amazing. And we are actually running a, um, a mission at CanCon that does include prep bombardment. And I think we're just going to do the old uh, the old Pete West special mm-hmm. that says instead of um, both players rolling a dice, um, and you know, uh, well, you know, say I'm playing Hari and I roll like a, a six, and Hari rolls a one. Well, you know, I'm putting pins on Hari, and he's doing nothing to me. No, we're just going to make it one dice. And look, prep so, isn't the scariest thing in the world unless you're versing Brits. Because you did that against me on Friday, rolling double dice, pick the highest. I always forget that. I always forget that. Mm, yeah. yeah, like that prep bomb nice. just, Yeah, it is. You rolled a fair few sixes, yep. caused some damage. Mm. Didn't kill anything. I think you got no. to kill a sniper, which was hard. Well, that's it. It's it's fine on big squads, no problem, whatever. Oh, but yeah, just, yeah, two land teams and, um, and vehicles, open, like open, open tops, armor seven. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a threat. Yeah, 100% it is. Like, if you are if you are playing a mission with Prep Bombardment, for crying out loud, leave those Armour 7 open-top vehicles off the bloody board because you can actually take a hit with those and, you know, you can potentially lose them. And it's 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 a hard pill to swallow, you know, if you've I mean, got your, your Stummel on there or something and or your Hellcat. I've seen people lose Panthers to Prep Bombs, so... What? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, here's the How? Thing. A Prep Bomb... It's a plus three penetration if it hits right. It hits top armor. It's plus one. A panther is only armor nine. No, no, no. It's it's two standard and then plus one for the top armor. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Something else. Yeah. Yeah, but even still, you roll a six. That's nine. So yeah, you could still uh, fire. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah, I, I, I killed a Panzer three in a game the other day with uh, in exactly that way. I'll just jump in and correct you quickly. Oh, it's three, is it? Yeah, it's a plus three penetration value. That's Damn. one. It's one hit. It's one casualty, isn't it? It's two pins, one automatic hit with a plus three pen. Oh, very yeah, nice. Yeah. All right. You can, you you can. can feasibly pop a panther with that. There was that at um, BadgerCon that year that we went up to um, Bendigo. Lockie, Lockie killed my Stug with a, a light mortar round like that. Just <laughs> dropped it right on the engine deck and, and killed it. Hang on. Hang it on. happens. It can happen. Uh, no, it must have been a medium. Medium. Yeah. Medium. Yeah, medium. Do it. So it, it needed six on six to to get it, but yeah, yeah. it did. Well, light awesome. light mortars light mortars got plus two, isn't it? No, it's plus uh, it was one. yeah, it was a medium. It must have been oh, a medium. Okay, medium, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it, this is going to sort of take us in, and we're gonna we're gonna try and cover like um all of the different units so we're going to cover things like mortars artillery pieces i mean that's artillery pieces is a really big one because there are so many different types but we're going to talk about like you know light howitzers medium howitzers heavies um yeah and then we're also going to talk about multiple launches we'll go through like a lot of the different things because i think i mean there's also a really good um conversation to have in regards to atrs because atrs were like they're they're so people either love them or they hate them um, I'm personally, I love them. I think they're great. I stand by them all day long. Yeah, hundred percent. They're just they're they're, I, I, they're, they're, they're never going to win a game for you, but they just do good, solid work. I have three of them in my Russian list most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're Why fantastic. I look at them in the same way that people kind of look at light auto cannons. Yeah, they are most of the time. They won't do fantastic work. But sometimes when you need them, they'll come in clutch. You know what? You know- I'm going to interrupt here. Um, we are uh, using up content for a future episode. I'm only yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I know. Every time I know. The conversation, he's like, haha, content. Save it, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the biggest issue with ATRs, and I'll touch on this quickly, is, and then we'll move on. The biggest issue with an ATR is that it's an anti-tank rifle, and therefore the name is like a Mr. No. It's like it's, it's, it, mm. it's not what it says on the packet. If it was just like a like a like a I don't know we'll call it the the ch- the, the, the chunky boy rifle, um, <laughs> the CBR, the Fit boy slayer. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it'd be all right because you just go oh, well it is, but everyone's like oh, I was an anti tank rifle, I'll, I'll shoot it at tanks. It, it doesn't mm. work, not unless you're gonna hit like Stuarts or some shit like that. Like you know on side armor on a Stuart, this is not gonna happen. Anyway, yeah. Rubes is correct. Snipers. We'll put a pin on this for a later time, but I will leave you with this. I've never. An anti-tank off. rifle at a tank in a single game of bolt action. Well, I think no, Pedro's done it to me. Pedro killed my Hellcat. I'll never forgive you for that, Pedro. Ever. <laughs> All right. So snipers. I think that we've. I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, if anyone has any additional, you know, sort of insight and into how you how they sort of do the sniper thing, um, you know, please let us know. But yeah, I think that um, I think most of us are on the same page. It's like it's mm. it's deployed up into a good position where it can see a lot. Though the the biggest pain in the bum is when you play those missions where you can't actually um, where you you like it actually stipulate there's no forward deployment. Or you um, come up against that one guy that runs Bulgarians and you yeah, just, uh, fucking right. Bulgarians. Is it Romanians as well that do that? No, it's just Bulgarians. Just Bulgarians, yeah. Bulgarians are that's. Uh, ben Ryan from the Sydney scene ran Bulgarians against me at a Moab years ago. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what the hell is this? Uh, we were playing Demolition. Uh, and um, 
yeah that was uh that was difficult because all of a sudden all my shit had to walk onto the board and i walked into all these ambushes that he'd set it was just incredible i lost mm. my artillery observer first turn it was shit Oof. i pulled it right out of that one that was good uh, my churchill literally just ran to the other side of the board on a road and then just parked on top of the objective <laughs> But that was V1. Hey, that was V1 demolition when you used to play to like turn six, even if you, you know, as opposed to what you and I were supposed to play when we played at BadgerCon, where like as soon as like one of us blows up the objective, like at the end of the turn, like that, it's it, it's done. I feel that we're using up more content for a future episode. <laughs> Ribs will probably come on in a minute and smack us. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but on that, guys, um, look, any sniper stories you've got when this episode goes up, drop it in the comments. The weirdest sniper shot you've seen, the best one you've ever had, the worst one, or the one that lost you a game. We want to hear about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to hear those stories as well. I think they're, um, like, everyone's got a sniper story where you think, oh, you know, when they work, they're great. When they don't work, it's most of the time. So, uh, when they do work, they generally tend to, you know, tend to stick out in your mind. So, yeah, um, hit us up. Let us know. Well, you but, convinced me, boys. I'll be taking one in my French list. Oh, oh, so God, you should. Yep, veteran sniper. There we go. It's, we haven't <laughs> created a monster. He was a monster long before I came along. He taught this me to be true. a monster. He created you. Yeah, oh, 100%. Right. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. No. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, we're, you know, sort of 2022 is sort of slowly, you know, we've only got 31 days of it left. It's slowly drawing to a close been a good year uh we'll probably try and get one more recording in uh before the new year whether we do it or not i don't know there's not a lot going on at the moment everyone's busy with christmas shit so this could be it for us for 2020 the uh abomination that's been planned for the uh the crossover there is that jesus yeah the baconauts or the juggerburgers whatever the fuck we're going to call it yeah we are doing a, we are doing a, we're doing a christmas episode with the juggernauts where we're just going to get on and just sling shit at each other. Although I am going to say the last time we did a crossover with those guys, it was like, well, it was it was bullshit o'clock in the morning for us, wasn't it? Like, that was me, Rubes, and Sneaky. And we, they got us on at like 7 o'clock. And I was like, I'd opened a can. I made a couple of off-color jokes. It was it was good. But, yeah, we're not doing that again. We'll fucking, they can get up early. I'll, I'll drink heavily. It'll be good fun. <laughs> but, look, I... um. Yeah, in closing remarks, uh, I'd, I'd just like to sort of say, um, uh, just touching back on it quickly, uh, just cheers to Brad and Lee for running Bear again. Uh, it was a really good event and a really nice way to see out the uh, you know the, the, the year in regards to bolt action. Um, hopefully we get some more of those sorts of things um, uh, next year. And uh, yeah, if you are listening, um, yeah, keep an eye on the uh, Victorian Bolt Action League's page uh, for updates in regards to the 2023 uh, event calendar. Uh, we are coming up with some good stuff, and we're going to try and make sure that, um, you know, I think, like I said, we're going to run th- uh, try and run three events at House of War, um, and that should be that should be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to get you to move down here, Harry. It just sucks. You're fucking in Queensland and shit. Yeah, well, I got my work cut out for me next year. Um, we're going to be. It looks like Queensland, Southeast Queensland, is going to have quite an active scene next year. We've nice. got. Uh, they've. Just got they've got a tank wars bash coming up on the fourth of December. Yep. Then next year they're running a tank wars league. A league. Uh, yeah. Two hundred and 
two ga- two games per day, uh, starting at 800 points, and it's going through the entire year, culminating in a a prospective 4,000 point bash. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Not Perfect. really a tank wars guy myself, but I may actually sit down and paint some comets for that. So. Yeah, no Panthers, Comets this time. Yeah, well, I, I mean... I could, I could bring a company of Hari Panthers to that one. <laughs> you prick. <laughs> In fact, remember, uh, don't forget to uh, like and comment. I sneak, you get the fuck out, you're done. Why? <laughs> yeah. No, go. Just, <laughs> Just get out. Get. <laughs> Jesus and, Christ. Uh, 5th of March, we have Operation Kriegerberg which is looking to be a 1,200-point event. I feel triggered and by that. Kriegerberg sounds way too much like Bacon Burger. I'll be there representing the Bacon Burgers. Can I then... get a Kriegerberg with a side of Luftwaffels, please? <laughs> Do you want that to go? Yep. Straight to, <laughs> Straight to Argentina, April, please. Looks like April 29th and 30th is going to be BrizCon. So yep. it'll be good to get up there again. I'll be dragging some tables up. Lovely. And, yeah, we're going to try and... Hopefully, we see an increase in the scene up here, and that translates into more players willing to travel, more players for CanCon 2024. Yeah, you've been you've been trying to foster a scene up there for a while, so it's it's good. Hopefully, we can see a bit of a resurgence yeah. up there for you, and that'll I mean, be nice. Quick shout out to Andrew Crarup and Trevor Laws because oh, yeah. they've been doing the legwork on this one. Uh, Trevor is like a used car salesman; he'll just pull someone aside and say, "Hey, kid, you want some Blitzkrieg?" <laughs> and that seems to pretty much hook him in. And then That's Andrew rem- just supplies them with uh, everything they need. Reminds so, me of David Bruggeman. Yeah. Bruggeman was like that. Yeah. <clears throat> we've, uh, we've got a good couple of guys banging the drum in southeast Queensland. So There's no way to talk about your mum. You walked in, You walked into that. I'm sorry. i gotta, I got to stop doing this. Yeah, you do. I just leave the stable door open and Tristan just yeah. casually walks in, fires a couple of shots, then walks out. And just leaves. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think I'm going to be moving to Melbourne anytime soon. You're an asshole. Some, you promised. Yeah, I know. I've got some good work to do up here. <laughs> you can do that from down here. Yeah, I could, but, you know, it's too cold down there. Ah, bullshit. It's fine. This hoodie is... I'm, I'm just wearing this hoodie for show. It's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> say, yeah, it hasn't broken 20. Why? It, it actually hasn't. I think tomorrow is the first day it's getting up over 21. I can't wait because I'm like a cruisy, cruisy. Wow. Come, come to it was- Victoria, we've had up to 27 this week. Fuck hey, Rubes, come to coastal New South Wales, we've had 35. Yeah, but you also got hipsters, so it's a no. Yeah. <laughs> Rubes have been sat there rocking up, directing barricades. Yeah, but I don't have to put up with them down here in Rosebud, mate. <laughs> great. All I got down here is like cheeky bogans and like liberal voters. Uh, it is what it is. Oh man, I got to tell you the tales of of Brighton. Brighton. <laughs> Brighton. <laughs> oh darling, we're going to Brighton. All right. So I think we're going to knock the knock the nail on the head for this one. Uh, it's been a good chat. Um, thank you again for joining us, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed the uh, chat. Now, like, I'm really glad that we got Marcus on for a chat as well. I mean, that guy's in it. Like when I met him a few weeks back um, at Warlord HQ. Uh, he is literally one of the nicest guys I've met. Um, he's really keen. He's engaged. Um, and just one of those blokes is just, he's, he's genuinely passionate. Um, I think I mentioned on the uh, Juggernauts podcast I was on, he just, he gives off this vibe and you're just like, I just want to go drinking with you. And like, you just know that just awesome shit would happen and he would just be completely out of your control, but it'd be cool because you're with Marcus. 
Uh, so, yeah. It's a good article, too, thanks to his... It uh, does. Hail Caesar 2 uh, article. I may or may not have pre-ordered it and bought some more ancient miniatures. So, yeah. yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. It's he's. Um, I suggest that, yeah, if any of you run into him at an event... Um, yeah, shake him by the hand and say thank you because he's doing good work at the moment and we hope that, you know, people like that, you know, their uh, their efforts are, are recognised and rewarded. And, yeah, I, I can't say enough nice things about that guy. He's great. But the hour is late and uh, I'm going to go knock this on the head because I'm bloody tired and I've got to go to work tomorrow, as most of us do. Gary, are you on holidays yet? Have you Are you an alcoholic yet? One week, and I can relinquish all control, and uh, yeah, just become a, a fully functioning whatever, whatever I want to be. You're not fully functioning though. You're just you're fucking hey, loose. I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of this alcoholism and just become a ballerina. I'm gonna become a yoga instructor, actually. A Yoda instructor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have every Friday off. How good what? is that? Yeah, that is pretty That's nice. nice. Yeah. Sneaky's just living the dream of the three day weekend. Yeah, after Tuesday, I don't wake. I don't work until Saturday. Mm. That's not bad. Mm. Anyway, lads, it's been great catching up, but I'm going to go to bed. Um, Thank you, dear listener. Uh, This is Chubby Cheese signing off. To anyone out there, stay safe, roll well, and sign up for CanCon. You know you want to. Do that. Yeah, this this man needs you. Yep. Rubes, any closing remarks? Uh, well, Blue Cheese signing off. Uh, stay safe, people, and uh, we'll catch you around. Ginger Cheese? Yeah, catch you on the flip side, peeps. Sneaky Cheese? Good night. <laughs> so, so succinct. All right, night, no, fuckers. Bye. <laughs>